together. Howdy, Howdy everybody! everybody. <laughs> I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Money Shot. And with us this week, we have a first. A first three-peat. Yes. The first guest to come back for the third time. Mason Booker's in studio. Mason! Woo! Howdy, everybody! Woo! Thanks for having third me time's back the again. Charm. Mason, there's no need to applaud yourself now. Ah. I'm my biggest fan, Robert. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, Mason, a few things have changed in studio since the last time you were here. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. All, yeah, there's a few changes to the show. First of all, uh, when the cat meows, because we are recording this in my house, whenever you hear the cat meowing, uh, just take a shot. Uh, I don't know of what, but just keep Iris' dick out of your mouth. And that should be pretty good. <laughs> Oops, too late. Uh, oh. And then the other thing is if you hear a siren in the background, then uh, the other other two people, first want to call it out, the other two people have to uh, take off an Both item. Both of the other two people? Or can the individual who calls it out acknowledge which of the other two people should well, be? Well, it's never going to be you because, you know, I don't think you can hear those sirens. Because uh, I'm losing my hearing? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Wait, that means I'm going to be naked. Robert is stacking the deck. <laughs> so uh, this week... We watched Spider-Man Homecoming, and uh, we also have a top five this week, top right. five high school movies, so we'll be talking about that. High school movies. But before we do any of that, we need to talk about some email, then we'll talk about Week in Review, and finally, Dead Corner. So first of all, let's talk about emails. Ira. <coughs> Excuse me? Oh, brother. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sorry, Mason. You're going to have to endure Ira's poetry reading. <coughs> he insists on doing a little poetry oh, intro this, for this. This is new. Robert and Ira have nothing to fear. It's from our listeners we want to hear. Help us make our podcast better. We look forward to reading your letter. I would argue I do have a fear. Nice. It, my I like fear that. is listening like to this poetry. About it. You know, it's from the heart. It was a dramatic monologue. Oh, I'm cut out. Oh, I am too. You're fine. Okay, oh. but we're recording. Okay, okay. I'm back now. Yeah. So anyway, let's do it. Emails. Emails. Okay, so we got a couple of emails this week. <laughs> One of which was kind of pissed off at me. What? Okay, so oh, last yeah. week we were talking about... Well, it was emails about guns uh, of people Navarone. who are really good at what they do. That's right. That's yeah. what it was. And um, and in it, the person who wrote the email said, Anthony Quayle. I said Anthony Quayle. I Ira corrected me I, as to Anthony Quinn. And here's the email from wrong. the listener said, hey, guys, I really did mean Anthony Quayle, not Quinn. If you actually read the screenplay quotes that I had worked so hard to find exactly, you would know that I did intend Anthony Quayle, who played Major Franklin, a.k.a. Lucky. There were a lot of quotations, and I'm sorry for not listing off all of the quotations from the movie. It was just we were trying to move the show along a little bit. But it was an interesting premise. It was one of the first films I, I would, think. Yeah. yeah, and I think that was what we were really discussing. That's what we're talking about. Each person whole... is an expertise at what they do, right? right. And Mason, what's the first movie that you can think of that the, the earliest movie that you can think of where the it's the best in the biz, like all the people who a team, yeah, the With... producers. I don't know. What do you mean? Well, like uh, Ocean's Eleven, you know, they need a, uh, they right. need all these different skill sets. So, right. what's the earliest movie movie that you can think of that fits that? The earliest en ensemble yeah. cast thing. Um, Each person has an expertise. Right, right. I got you. See, I always make the case that even like some of the Marx Brothers. Oh, stuff, Dirty Dozen. I think Gun was Guns of Navarone before Dirty Dozen. That's a good question. Well, I'm sure we yeah, can find out. We'll get the answer yeah. to that. That's a good question. I'd was, also like to point out on Gun, the show that Guns and Navarro is we, certainly we, up there. Yeah, yeah. We now have a producer oh, on the seven, show. Seven Samurai? Seven so. Samurai, yeah. We now have a producer for the show. So maybe our producer, Joey, can wind up getting our uh, getting the answer to that. Joey, you want to look that up and find out whether or not... Which film came first? Hop on the, Guns uh, and the old computer. Or this the Dirty is good. It's like, it's like we have an actual show going on. I think Navarro came yeah. first and Dirty Dozen came a couple years after. All right, we'll Let's soon find, find the answer to okay, that. Okay, we got the answer. 
All right, Guns of Navarone. 1961. Yeah, Dirty Dozen was. Gonna it was be after that. Dirty Dozen was 67. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was close. Yeah. Yeah. What about Seven Samurai? Now, Seven was, Samurai is way before. <laughs> yeah, but was Seven Samurai really the best in the biz, or no. was that just seven guys? It was. Just I mean, a tr- it was a group. They right. were pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, but uh, what I'm saying was, right? Were they assembled to be the best in the right. business? I, I got you. I got you. Right. By the way quick tangent but it does tie into what we're saying uh which we'll speak about later mission impossible when we do speak about martin landau sure, yeah. that's a perfect example of a tv show where each person on the team had their own unique expertise this is not a tv podcast, uh, i knew you were going to say that okay i'm sorry that's a fair that is a good point though thank you i'm really glad you're here mission impossible Mason, was turned into a film. <laughs> mission impossible was turned into a film there you go well, but thanks. no actually but i don't think that really the movie mission impossible supports the premise of people with an expertise, it was just all Tom Cruise. No, okay. he had a team. He did have a t- sort of. Okay, all right. Okay. No. I mean, if you want to go there, you could say Fast and the Furious. If you really want to. Uh, all right, we're Actually, derailing here. Let's get back, then to, again, back to the point. Okay. Uh, I was so brought this, here for Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> this another listener says. Uh, talking, okay, so we we also last week, Mason, we reviewed uh, the Big Sick, and our top right. five was dealing with top five interracial romances. Nice. And this listener says, great pod, guys. What about 1984's Starman? Argu- arguably John Carpenter's <laughs> greatest That's a real good example. That's and an excellent real... performance by Jeff Bridges, nominated for an Oscar, yes? Yes. He's right. Yeah. I, Jeff... I don't know if I'd qualify that as interracial. It's more interspecies. Interstellar. Well, it's... Yeah. We, we included we inclu- species. We, we did a couple did. of aliens. Well, yeah. then they're absolutely right. Which, by the way, was really a terrific, terrific movie, surprisingly enough, uh, directed by John by Carpenter. Yeah, now wait a which minute. Which was atypical. We, did we talk about species... We talk, The movie species. I, did we talk about that on the podcast, or did we talk yes, about that later? The movie species I acknowledged as one of my um, scoops of ice cream. Ah, uh, right. Right. Okay. You must have. But I love Natasha Starman. Henstrich, I really like Starman. Right. And again, uh, for that particular director, it was atypical for him to do a movie like that. Yeah. And you know what? It was also turned into a short-lived TV series. TV series, it was. It was. Yeah. All right. Good. Hey, let's talk about, uh, we doing Week in Review? We always vacillate on this. What should come next? What flows I, better? The Week in Review or the Dead Corner? I Mason? kind of like throwing you off all the I time. I know you do. Mason, which would you like us to do next? I, I, Mason, I fear do you death. Know what we can re- oh, you fear death. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Which do you want? I don't care. Uh, I'm, I fear death, so I'll go with Week in Review. <laughs> week in Review. Okay, so Mason, what we do here is we're talking about, and we'll get to your <coughs> stupid-ass poetry in a minute. Uh, Another poem? Hey. How many? Is it one for each section? You ain't heard nothing yet. I guess not. Yeah, you you haven't heard anything. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk whatever movies you've seen this week. So obviously we're here to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. But if you've seen any movies, let's hear about it. Let's talk about whatever you've seen this week. Uh, And I guess because you haven't been here in a little while, any big movies that you've seen, maybe not necessarily this week, that you would want to talk about are fine too. Ira, go ahead. Hit it. Other movies we've seen during the last seven days. Some are stinkers, some we want to praise. Some are old, some are new. We now present The Week in Review. <laughs> Come on, Mason, what do you think? I give it a B. It I'll was, settle for that. Minus. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. B right. minus. Hey, hey, hey. It was on the level of my soul is a dark pit of darkness. I'm down. Okay. I give it a B dumb. Oh. Ouch. Uh, all right, so what have we seen this week? Anything good? Who's going to go first? Mason, did you see any movies other than Spider-Man? Uh, movies. Um, I 
I'll let I'll let it percolate because I didn't I didn't give you any. We put you on the spot. Let me, didn't let me we? think. Let, why don't you think about that? In the meantime, what did you see, Ira? All right, you ready? All right, wait. Does this begin with Human Centipede two or not? Well, I have that on my list. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, on my streaming Netflix, mm-hmm. I say that because you always give me a dirty look, but I did see an interesting film called Sex Doll. Uh, that's now, on my queue. I've seen that. Are I've, you being serious? I've, 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 it's on my queue, but I haven't seen yeah, the movie. Yeah. I've, I've seen them. What am I starting to say? The uh, now, the icon. first thing I want to say is I thought it was about a doll, an inflatable doll. So I was really disappointed that it was about people, which says something pretty fucked up about me. Sex Doll, 2017. Um, it got a lot of low reviews. Actually, on Rotten Tomatoes, it was at 38%. Um, a, a high-class prostitute. And we find out that this guy... Uh, this this brooding guy is interested in her only because he supposedly works for charity organizations to save women of the night. So hence we have that kind of conflict and that and all that stuff. Um, it was a bad movie. There was a lot of it was self conscious. There were a lot of lingering brooding shots. The close ups on the faces. He's deep in thought, drinking his drink, taking a smoke drag off of his cigarette and so on. And it was trying to be cool and artsy. And ultimately, it was a simplistic story, and I was glad that it ended. But I also saw a little bit more, and I didn't watch the end yet. I actually saw it before. Are you guys familiar with It Follows? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. quite a movie. Did you like it? Yeah. Didn't you? I don't think I saw it. It Follows? I'm surprised. Uh, I, I think that's, that was in that little time of window when these movies were coming out that I didn't get a chance to yeah, see. Yeah, so, so too, I'm going to watch the rest of it. And and then besides Sex Doll, it follows uh, Human Centipede Part 2 tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. No way. Those are mine. Well, this week I watched a couple of uh, movies. I was, as you know, I was working on the movie, but as it was outputting, I was trying to watch a few that I'd been meaning to see. And um, working on our film, I mean to say. I watched a couple really great movies this week. First of all, I watched Swiss Army Man. Have you guys seen Swiss or heard of Swiss Army Man? I have. I have. So Swiss Army Man star, stars Daniel Radcliffe as a dead guy who washes up on shore on a deserted island that Paul Dano is living on. And Paul Dano, uh, he's dead. Daniel Radcliffe's dead. And Paul Dano uh, basically is able to ride this human being. Like He get, gets on top of Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe starts to fart. And he rides him back to, like, away from the, the island and back to civilization. And as he's trying to find society, he drags Daniel Radcliffe's body through the woods and starts finding all of these really weird, bizarre uh, uses for this human being. Uh, he can chop wood with, like, a karate chop. He can gurgle water that is drinkable. So he gets a fresh supply of, of clean water, basically like making him spit. And it's a, it's a really fucking weird premise and it sounds like a bad cartoon, but it's really good. And I guess the, the pitch that the directors had for Paul Dano, the, the pitch that they wanted to, to get him to, to act in the movie, they told him the first fart will make you laugh and the last fart will make you cry. And I thought, what a that, great... That worked? It, it worked, man. It was really wow. good. And, and tell us why it's called Swiss Army Man. Well, obviously because Daniel Radcliffe has all of these different, right? Uh, uh, what should I say? Like little abilities, much like a Swiss Army knife would be. Yeah. yeah. I also watched the uh, I watched the Scarlett Johansson movie. May I just say one more interject? Yeah. One thing about that movie um, that um, 
the male lead again? Uh, Paul Dano. Paul Dano, yeah. Yeah, I just want to let you know that he's his live-in girlfriend is Miss Kazan, who was the female lead in Baby Driver. And remember, we were complimenting yeah. her for her naturalness, that she's not overly beautiful, but there's something very charming and cute and natural about her. And I also want to mention that she's the uh, granddaughter of Ilya Kazan. Just thought I'd mention that. How about that? How about that? She's getting fucked by Paul Dano. Go think. Go figure. Go on. I also watched a Scarlett Johansson movie, which I know you're going to oh, appreciate. Yeah. You didn't like it when I said she sold out. That really bothered you. Because you know what? Yeah. I, I, she's, go ahead. Look, she had a kid a couple of years ago, too. And I think she's making whatever life choices she's making. And maybe she doesn't want to do these like small, independent movies. Maybe she just wants to pull in a paycheck and go live her life. I don't, I don't like when anybody says, oh, this person sold out. You had a strong reaction to that. I, I, I defend people. Yeah. Because you're going to make whatever choices you think are right at the time. Right, right. Anyway, she was in a 2013 movie called Under the Skin. Have you seen Under the Skin? No. Yeah, no. genius. Yeah, it's really cool. It's based on a, a, a Scottish novel, I believe. But it's, Loosely, yeah. But it's, it, it's a, a basically a movie where she plays an alien that looks human. And she goes around the Scottish countryside picking up guys and murdering them. But along the way, starts to realize what it's like to be human. And starts to find humanity. It's really interesting. You'd love it. You See, would love it. those are the movies I... It's a, real, it's a, it's a really was, amazing oh, film. Oh, I, that was not that long ago. Yeah, I would yeah. recommend it. It's an amazing film. Yeah, it's really good. Hmm. Definitely and worth checking out. I don't know if you know that. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but they had... Uh, some of the footage of her picking up guys was actual... Yeah, undercover. Like, they... The film crew would hide in the back of the van. And the driver's seat and everything was was miked and she would actually go and pick up random guys and then drive drive away with them they had hidden cameras in the dashboard and they when they, she picked up guys they were real off the street guys so, some of them oh my god yeah the, the ones that mattered the ones that she goes and kills are obviously actors but in, interspersed to show that she's continuing to do this they have several scenes of actual men that scarlett johansson is like hey why don't you get in the van and they're like yes I wonder who, if any, wouldn't sign the release form. It's just wasted. I'm sure footage. there were. I'm sure there were a few. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think so. I would think if if you got picked up and then first of all it's by Scarlett fucking Johansson and yeah. then she's sitting there going, "Hey, this we're actually shooting a movie. So You're in the movie." Everyone would say, "You got it." And sign. Who would say who would no? Not, who would say no? I don't know because uh, they were convict. focusing a lot on blue convict. collar workers. I could see a couple of them being like, "My wife's not going to see that. Like, I'm not going to sign this. Pay me." I could see that. But she actually asks all of them. She asked the question, do you have a family? Do, uh, where are you coming from? She asks those same questions to everybody. Yeah, sure. But I'm talking about there must have been men that she did this to that didn't agree, which is what Ira was talking about. Well, she rolls down the window and they come over. She's asking for directions. Right. But I'm saying there must be outtakes of men that she did this with that were like, oh, I'm But I'm, what I'm saying is I doubt there's very many of those, if any. I would think that they would hop in the in the van and be like yeah why not because she asked, before they got in the van everybody that she asked she would ask do you have a family do you have a girlfriend she would ask that kind of stuff she asked the, those specific questions now maybe they're lying to her and if they lie to her then maybe they maybe you got a point but i just in my experience of filmmaking if you start dealing with random members of the public not all of them are pleased when you reveal that they're on film oh really 
Yes. <laughs> I'm sure. You, Not I'm, everyone wants to have a camera pushed up into their face. I'm sure you've experienced this in, in somewhere in your in your vast repertoire. Of, usually of when I go down to LAX with a camera and try to film <laughs> celebrities and get off the plane, uh, usually that just works that out, just works goes out swimmingly. Well. They're yeah. like, come right in. Hey, George Clooney, come here. Yeah. All right. So what movies did you see, Mason? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I guess I, I finally saw Let the Right One In. Oh. Which I thought was great. I saw the Which ori- version? The original Swedish version. Okay. Um, Have you seen the American version? I had not because... It's it, worth pe- checking out. It's actually... It holds up pretty well. It does. It would be a tough bar to match. The The Swedish one I thought was great. It, it's a, They're both amazing. They really oh. are. Okay. Well, then, yeah. that That's it. Um, primarily, I just... I've been watching a lot of TV. I did see Wonder Woman, but you guys already talked about that. Um so that's pretty much it. I mean, have you seen the Let the Right One In? I haven't. You should it's check good. that out. Yeah. If like you like it. vampire movies, mm. it's good. You you would like this one. It's very eerie. Yeah, it's it's eerie, but it, it's uh it's a different feel. It's it's not scary in the conventional sense, but it's it's a kind of coming of age, but still it's got some horror and vampire attacks, but it's not the same kind of uh horror movie that you're typically thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recommend it. Otherwise, I've been watching a lot of TV, and I just watched the Game of Thrones season premiere, so I was really pumped about that. Something else I wanted to mention that I did this week is uh, I went to see The Professional and La Femme Nikita yes. at the Egyptian, wow. and I got to hear uh, Luc Besson he speak. Was there. Yeah, he was there, and he spoke in between. And you know, the American Cinematheque just does such a great job. There's so many great movie-going opportunities in Los Angeles if if you know where to look. Anyway, hearing him talk, and I've always been a huge fan of his. I, I actually, I was uh, I asked him a question about his commercial work. He had done a, a really, really beautiful Chanel Number no. Five commercial back huh. in the mid '90s. Really, and it, I remember seeing that all through high school, and I'd be like, "Man, this commercial is really gorgeous." And then later on, I found out that it was Luc yeah. Besson. I was going, yeah. "Oh, no, no wonder it's gorgeous. Right? It's incredible. It's really well built." And uh, and I asked him about it, and he was kind of making a joke about how. Because he was talking about all the problems of making movies, and I, I was wondering how his commercial work compared to his uh, to his feature film work. And he was like, "I can do a two day shoot, like brushing my teeth. It was no problem sure. at all." So uh, it was interesting to hear him talk about um, his philosophy on directing and also uh, making feature films versus short films and stuff like that. Did he speak about his new movie? Yeah, they do, they're gonna they're uh, previewing it tonight. As you hear this, it would have been last night. So yeah, they. They they were actually showing it now to the yeah. members, Valerian. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Wow, wow. I I do have a problem with some of the questions the interviewers were asking were kind of asinine. They were. It was a lot of like. It was a lot of questions like, "What was it like yeah, yeah, working yeah. with?" Yeah. And I heard this rumor that, yeah. and it, they were very. Yeah, a lot of them were yes or no questions, and there was no real room for elaborate uh, room for him to elaborate on. And it was uh, it, it was poor interviewing. The guy who was doing the interview would he had character, he had charisma, but he just didn't have the material. He didn't have it's it's like he didn't know what questions to right, ask to right. really spark a conversation. He hadn't he, researched. You know, he had researched, but a lot of it was rumor that he had heard from friends, and mm. I think he was. He was having a little bit of a fanboy moment, and he really was like, hey, I've heard this thing, and I've always wanted to know if this is true. Right. And I, I don't know that that was the best time to 
to do that. In front Did of you everyone. know Natalie Portman was going to be important? Is that kind Isn't of that a, yeah, yeah, they're like sophomore. One of the questions he asked was, what was it like watching Natalie Portman win an Oscar? And what, what the fuck kind of question <laughs> yeah, is that? Yeah. How is he yeah. supposed to respond? Yeah. Uh, first of all, sure. what is he going to say? Is he going to say, uh, you know what, she's a really big bitch <laughs> and I wish she hadn't. Of course not. No. Uh, what do you... Yeah. That's that's a total waste of our time. Right. So there, it seems like there were some really good insights that could have come out of that moment, and they were missed opportunities. The good insights that did happen came because Luke Besson realized I- I'm going to talk about this thing because it's important to talk about. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't like his style of direction all that much. Uh, to be honest, I th- I think he's a he's magnificent at what he does. I think he's a great storyteller, but his style of directing I think is a little. I, I, we were talking a little bit about this before the show, but I'm a huge fan of his early work, La Femme Nikita, Leon, yeah. the, the, prof- the professional, Fifth Element, uh, The Messenger. And then after that, it, it kind of gets... Well, I think he started to focus a little bit more on producing and yeah, of writing. Course. I, I, th- I think... But he, was... but he found a niche and kind of stuck with it. Yeah. And I was like, oh... You were you were so varied. You were so all over the place, and I loved it. But now it's it's just this one thing. I, I, I guess he's returning with Valeria, and he's kind of taking back uh, his fifth element reigns. Yeah, I think so. I, I to me, his personality was he seemed abrasive. He seemed really. French. He seemed really? French, mm-hmm. even though I think he oh even, well, yeah. he made a joke. Did about, he surrender? He even made a joke about well, I'm I'm not a mean person. Did he surrender? Uh, (laughs) thank you you know he made a joke about how I'm not a mean person how he left his wife for his lead actress oh anyway Uh, is that true multiple times multiple times oh he's a pig hey he's one of us let's get him on the show let I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I I fall in that hey let's have him on the show (laughs) (laughs) you and me Ira yeah you guys are pigs that's true (laughs) well anyway there's your soundbite. That was good. Luke, <laughs> That's Luke a soundbite. That'll Luke, be the drop at the end. There, there you go. Lupus is a genius, but I just don't like his approach. That's what I was trying to say. I, I think his approach is sometimes a little now, heavy-handed. When you say approach, you're talking about how he directs on the set, or are you talking about the final product? And the final product is, is usually pretty brilliant, but I think he could get there in better ways. And he was saying things to, uh, you know, Jean Renault is a friend of his, and asked him to the big blue that that film's amazing yeah he asked him to expand on the character from la femme nikita have you seen la femme nikita do you remember the cleaner character yeah so victor yeah so he he asked him can you expand on this character and make maybe his whole movie so he goes off and writes the script and then comes back and says i wrote the script and i'm gonna direct it but i'm gonna audition other people other than you and it's kind of like Wow. Wow. Why? But then he the ended pig. up casting him anyway. He that, did. That's and, fascinating. Yeah, but's but his still. his rationale was I wanted to be certain that I had the right person for the part. I mean, I, I get that. I get but it, but you already know what he can do. You already know the guy. If you're writing this part with him in mind, and he he was saying you basically that we're doing you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't see all the all the people for the right part. And But I don't you think also that's don't true. want to waste people's time. That's yeah. that's what I'm I, he he could just be a little, to me. Sure. When what he maybe he was just in a mood last night, but he was just very <laughs> French. He's like, this is my third yeah. screening, Americans. All uh, right, so bastard. Anyway, those are the movies. Bastard. Yeah. 
Okay, Ira. Hmm? Oh, Let's thank talk you. about dead people, shall we? <clears throat> You're going to like this one too, Mason. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm loving it. And now the moment we have to say the following people passed away. <sighs> Excuse me? I'm sorry. Did that come out? You should, you should celebrate this moment of mortality. Thank man. you, Mason. Yeah. I think. No, I'm, I'm with you. Gotta tell you, unfortunately we must, the following people have turned to dust. It's hard. Okay, Robert, you wake up now. Oh, I'm scared. Okay. I do have some names I want to share. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. It's quite a week for those who did pass away. And the first three or four are not particularly notable in our world. But the last three, actually it is three. You're going to be surprised by one of them. The three juggernauts. So let me begin with the more, I hate to use the word minor because they were certainly important in their own right, but not as well known as the three that we're going to end with. Uh, we do have a Turkish actor. Yeah, fuck Fikret, the Turks. <laughs> I, I hear you. Fikret Hakuna, uh, Revenge of the Snakes. We have Evzan Kolar, 67, a Czech film producer. We have uh, Eva Schubert, 86, Hungarian actress. And this one is going to be familiar to you. The, the stuntman, who was only 33 years old, his name was uh, John John Bernecker. And we all know what happened a few days ago. You know about I this. I didn't story. hear about this. One. You don't know about this. No. You know about this, Mason, right? It Afraid was not. on the set of uh, The Walking Dead. He died. Oh, I did. Well, he fell, he fell and he died. Yeah. Oh, that's and, terrible. And um, he was only 33, American stuntman. He was in Logan. He was I heard in the, the Games. I heard the event, but I didn't hear the name. Right. So. Right, and um, he was in. Uh, Fa- he was also in Fate of the Furious. How about huh. that? So it was a horrible accident that happened on the set of uh, The Walking Dead. Did, do you have any details as to what the stunt? I was? don't. It's a thirty-foot drop. That's all I know. It's a thirty-foot drop. That's the only thing I heard. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. I wonder if he died on the spot, if it was an instant, or if he died in the hospital later, or what. I don't know. Producer. Yeah. Yeah, let's ask, so, let's ask our producer, Joey, see yeah, if she can't find okay, out. Okay, she'll work on that. Uh, moving on to people who are more notable, if you will, juggernauts. And uh, I want you guys to chime in on this. Let's begin with uh, George George Romero. George A. Romero, as yeah, opposed so to George B. A. Romero. Night of the Living Dead, uh, Dawn of the Dead, and so on, and lung cancer. And Can I do just... want to say that he is, most people will say he's arguably responsible for the resurgence i don't think of, that's arguable it's not arguable I, I arguable is it of the zombie movies yeah. and and do you agree with that mason you seem to be oh absolutely you know, oh, i was just gonna say i don't know if it's a resurgence films. so much as a lot of people say he defined he, the genre he, he did yeah. right i mean zombies he, he, zombies had existed in movies before yes they did but not, but not the not same as, way yeah. and they a lot of times it was spells you know like there were there was a voodoo priestess who would sprinkle some powder over them but he really made them in mass you know it might be like one zombie who was chasing you and he made a lot of them rise up from the dead and and he shaped what we think of as a, as the zombie character you know the zombie characters that are chasing after you without george a romero there would be no walking dead there would uh, be yeah. uh all these zombie movies that we think of yeah but yeah so he's uh oh well, i think we're hearing from our producer okay so what do we got well, I'm going to look on this. It just says that he died. Well, while we're reviewing details, one thing I do want to say is Evzin Kolar, I see here that he produced Never Say Never Again. I forgot to mention that. Which is amazing. About that? That's, he was not the key producer. And actually, Surf but, Ninjas. But yeah, that's, that's what I find credit. so fascinating also is that he I produced know. Never Say Never Again, which is arguably one of the greatest Bond films right. ever, followed by Surf Ninjas and ending with 
inferno hmm. uh, you know just a rather uh, uneven yeah filmography right uh so i found out a little bit more about john bernecker's death it says he died from a 25 foot balcony onto concrete missing a safety cushion by Ooh. just a few inches Ooh. Yeah. that is horrible well, i guess we're gonna see a uh a dedicated to on that episode i would hope now i could say something it's probably too soon but is he gonna come back as a uh, well, I was making that joke, you were gonna joke say over that, George, right, a. George Romero, a. Romero right? right? I mean, I said he was going to be back here in just a few weeks. Yeah. Ha. Yeah. Yeah. And let me go on to Juggernaut number two, everybody. Uh, Martin Landau. Martin Landau. And uh, I just want to say that on a more personal level, I certainly associate him with, allow me to acknowledge the TV show with Mission Impossible, which was an iconic series, that in space 1999. And I remember my dad told me, that he was in the Hitchcock movie, uh, North by Northwest, right. as well. And then when he did that Woody Allen movie, uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors, he was great that was that. kind of brought him back. That there was, for me, there was like a reawareness of him that he was so, first of all, it was a great movie. Do you remember him in Ed Wood? Oh, how could I forget that? Yeah, yeah. He was spectacular. In fact, in Ed Wood, he won the Oscar. Did he win an Oscar? Yes, I've got this information for you. Robert, talk about your recollections while I find this of Martin Landau. Martin okay. Landau. He, he's just such a grandfatherly guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I remember him in Grumpy Old Men. Was he in Grumpy Old Men? No, no. no. You know oh, you're that was of? Walter Matthau. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if maybe it was one of those things where they started throwing all these older men into no. it. Maybe the sequel. No, I was confusing Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau's been dead for a little while. Right. He, I, I think he died before Jack Lemmon did. I'm sure he did. Because Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau were the, the pair. Yeah. 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 Here what it is. Got, Landau received the Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actor, uh, as well as the first nomination for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, he was in Tucker. I forgot about that man in his dreams. Um, his performance in the um, supporting role as Bella Lugosi in Ed Wood, 1994, right. earned him an Academy Award. He won the award, you guys. Uh, a Screen Actors Guild Award and a Golden Globe Award. How about that? He was good. How about that? That all, was a fantastic three. performance. Yeah, it really, it really was. And... Um, what a and you know he was wonderful in Entourage. Allow me to mention the TV show. I remember show. him being in Entourage. Oh yeah, yeah, he was in a lot of episodes. Um, and Ari Gold's foil, but it was um, what a life, what a life, what a career. And the last one, I think I'm breaking this news to you. My third juggernaut, and I have a feeling no one else here in this panel is aware. We lost Kirk Douglas, everyone. I'm shocked. December of uh, 1916. I'm surprised and he's, he's still one alive. of the last living legends of the golden uh, age of film. Um, and uh, starting with The Strange Love of Martha Ivers in 1946 with Barbara, St uh, Barbara Stanwyck and known for serious dramas including westerns and war movies. He appeared in more than 90 movies. That and sounds like you're reading Douglas. it off of Wikipedia, Ira. Who, me? I'm surprised you didn't mention Spartacus. Oh, that too. Or I Paths am of Glory. Spartacus. Well, look, I'm just giving... Famously so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or his son. Oh, you know, one of his sons in jail. Oh, yeah? For yeah. what? Oh, yeah. For what? He's just a no-good dick. Hmm. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah, he's oh. in jail. Okay. Who knows? You no-good dick. murdered so Yeah. Get behind bars, yeah. kid. Yeah. Well, you what did know he his do? his real name was um, Izur Danielovich, a Jew. You and your kind. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess they're all dead. Good for them. They'll be missed. Okay. Well, this is a heavy show. These <laughs> days. Like it used to be light and fun, and now no, it's heavy. not anymore. 
Let's talk Got about poetry and death. Spider-Man, <laughs> yeah. death of all superheroes. There you go. All right, let's talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. We don't have a poem for that, do we? No, but there will be one for next week. Fuck. Nice. Thank can, you. Thank can, you for can you not? Why don't you write a different poem every week? Why don't you leave me alone? <laughs> you, don't, you don't really want that. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. So, Spider-Man. Robert, yeah. you do a great job of talking us through. Okay. Synopsis. Spider-Man is back. Peter Parker. He's in high school dealing with the troubles of being a high school uh, adolescent, but also struggling with the uh, trying to become an Avenger. Iron Man has helped him out a little bit. If you've seen some of the, the earlier Avengers movies, we've seen a little bit of a, a cameo from Spider-Man. This is now his, uh, his own main, main story, kind of more of a development of the character. And it's really about him learning how to become Spider-Man, how he, um, what am I trying to say, rises up to become Spider-Man as opposed to Spider-Boy. Hey, how about that? That was eloquent. Thanks. It was good. Thanks. I just thought of that. Anyway, um, yeah, so he fights off Michael Keaton, who plays Vulture. Interesting note. Did you notice they never said Vulture in the movie? Right. Except for at the very end, there was that little piece of paper that says, I found this Vulture guy. Little tag, yeah. I thought that was nice, because usually there's some justification for their their silly comic book name, and I really like that he even was shitting on it. Michael Keaton even said, like, if you can call yourself some sort of stupid name. And he didn't, he was a no-nonsense kind of guy. I really like that. And anyway, the whole movie centers around Spider-Man trying to fight uh, Michael Keaton's character, the Vulture, in order to both stop evil, but also to become part of the Avengers and to be accepted. Right. Okay. Right. Well, what do we think? What do you think? I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was refreshing. Um, you didn't have to deal with a cumbersome origin story, which by now you would expect everyone to already know, and and rightfully so. I also enjoyed uh, all of the dashes of humor. I thought it was very witty, and I really liked the sense of uh, amateur hour. Really watching uh, an entire film that essentially in other films is a three to five minute training montage. Yeah, I I enjoyed that. It it helped bring the humanity i guess to the to the full front and i enjoyed the villain very much i thought michael keaton really really brought this kind of blue collar meat and potatoes kind of guy to uh to the forefront where you could understand maybe not the lengths to which he goes but at least the reasoning behind we had a motivation yeah michael keaton is the hidden gem of this movie i I, so agree i thought the movie was good Mm -hmm. michael keaton oh my gosh that like we said robert he's underappreciated he really is oh yeah Yeah. but in this movie i I, i'm i was trying to think now i think mason you probably have seen more comic book hero movies than i have although i've seen definitely my fair share you're definitely catching up yeah but I cannot think of any of them where a character is more justified as, as a villain in mm-hmm. their actions than this guy. Because he truly, uh, you understand that his character is trying to do good. He's got his own rationale and he's being screwed over by the system. Right. And thus he, he says, okay, then I'm just going to, if you're all playing crooked, I'm going to play crooked too. And to me, I, I really appreciate that. I appreciate the realness of that. And mm-hmm. that's what makes me care about his motivations. It makes me follow the storyline sharper. It makes me care about whether he gets caught. And it almost puts me on the fence because I don't know who to side with ultimately in, mm, in right. certain situations. I'm kind of going, well, I understand that Spider-Man has his 
his reasons for stopping a bad guy. And Spider-Man even says stealing is wrong. You know, making weapons and selling these weapons to bad guys is wrong. Yeah. But also, I think Michael Keaton's right. He's trying to provide for his family and the families of people that work for him. And it really does ask some interesting questions yeah, about and I crime think, and how that works. I think they really brought that to the to the forefront in the little confrontation between them in the warehouse where Michael Keaton's giving a very brief speech about his justifications, Yeah, which I, you know, was very clear cut. And he's explaining it to a teenager. Right. And, you know, Absolutely. you're, that you're was, like, by the this way, makes a great sense. scene. That was a wonderful no, the scene, one, too. The scene that Especially you're talking about is I know. I'll get to the yeah, car yeah. in a second. I'll get to the car in a second. The car is but amazing. I do well, want to jump but, on what you're saying because, Robert, you and I have also said, I think part of our mantra has been that uh, backstory is often heavy handed, mm -hmm. you yes. know, it's, but this time it was so organic yeah. that, you know, especially when we see something in flashback, I have little patience for that. Yeah. We see them as a, but this was so, it was so pure and organic that you got the character, you understand the character's motivation and yes, you felt for him. I think it's him. because they were only showing flashes instead of spelling everything out yes. and you could fill in the, the pieces, which yeah. I appreciate. Now I, I've missed, I think one or two of the Avengers movies, and the one that he came that he made the cameo in, I right. heard obviously about the big thing where he stole the shield. Right. I heard about it, but I didn't actually see that that one. That was uh, Civil War, and so, that that was probably my only regret about this film is that if you did not see Civil War, you're missing a bunch of Easter eggs. But it's but you can not have seen it and still enjoy the film. Was there a setup of his character in that movie? Are you talking about Spider Man? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was his introduction to the Marvel Universe. Okay, so that's where he gets bit by the spider and all of that? No, 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 no. He just kind of shows up. Okay, so he's... In order for us to have seen that, then we need to go back to either Tobey Maguire or... Right. Is, and did Andrew Garfield's version... Yep. Did he get bit by the spider? Yeah, all previous versions... Yes. Did, yes. did the origin yes. story okay. again which and again and again. Which is we did not is, see how it happened. We didn't see the bite. Right. I guess it wasn't necessary in this... I don't think you reboot. need it. I At mean, this and, point... And you know, again, I think it's something that you were already saying that... I read that we 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 get it already. We right. don't need that right. element. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. What else? Well, a few other points. I, I and again, we knew going into this movie that there was going to be a lot of time exploring his character as a high school student as well as a superhero. There's that cliche that I've often said with the the first one with Tobey Maguire Maguire that even a superhero has to take out the garbage at night. That you know you've got these two sure. worlds right. and these two worlds that are that are colliding. And the one with Tobey Maguire did have some fun as when he was in the high school. They played with that in the cafeteria, right. being right. bullied and so on. But here it became a more important part of the movie, and I really like that. I did have a few things I, I wanted to say too about. Um, I'm going to be alone on this point, but I thought that the lead actor's voice was a little bit too high pitched. It was almost too high pitched. You want the bad ah. <laughs> By the way, I want to tell you one thing about um, what should he sound Michael like about Michael Keaton. He was on a talk show a couple nights ago and said, "Oh, you're in Spider Man. What part did you play?" And Michael Keaton said, "I'm Spider Man." <laughs> and the way he acknowledging the "I'm Batman" was yeah. very funny. Yeah. The audience just went crazy oh, when he sure. said, "I'm I'm Spider Man." And uh, but I thought his voice was kind of high. But I know setting that up with a child like. The adolescence. Well, and watch. they even made fun of it, which was I nice. Know. And I, I, know. I like that right. element. So I, at least they're acknowledging I it. I like... It was a very, very good script. And one of the very few scripts that have been worked on by more than three people that I actually enjoyed. Yeah. Usually uh, they're a train wreck. Oh, usually. I was When I saw how many worked on it, I was shocked. It's a bad sign, usually. It, yeah. Right. But this one, they really nailed it. But one of the things I really did like was they did a lot of self-referential self humor. Yeah. And it worked. 
very well. I think one of the other things that they they've started to really figure out is that if you're going to have all of these um, total coincidences happen right. in perfect timing, you need a few things to offset that too. And a good example of that is towards the end when Happy comes and and tells him. Uh, that Tony wants to see him and they're in the bathroom mm-hmm. and mid conversation, you've got this kid who finishes taking a shit and walks out of the bathroom oh, right. that interrupts their conversation. It's very inopportune. Mm-hmm. And I think that really, it not only is it funny and it makes the moment it's real life and real life, but it actually offsets all of the incredible coincidences that happened earlier. Sure. So, and even though that, that is a coincidence, it's, it's a bad coincidence. It hurts those characters and they're annoyed by that as opposed to all these other things that just, Everyone happens to be there right in the nick of time. And, and that stuff does get on my nerves. They, they were also smart to do something like this, where Spider-Man is fighting the Vulture, gets dropped down from his parachute, and Iron Man saves him. But it's not actually Iron Man. It's just his suit who's operating by himself. They're very clever to do yeah. that, because it, it would have been this... It, it would have been too coincidental that Tony Stark, we believe that he's going to drop everything and just go save this kid. Right. He doesn't have time for that if he's a billionaire or trillionaire, however bitch he is. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like that just the suit itself, the empty suit was what saves him. So I think they're, they're starting to get more hip to how do we play off some of these coincidences as being a little bit more real to their universe. Yeah. And I think that was emphasized, not to harp on the point, but again, everybody's kind of, everybody in this is kind of an amateur and they're not, they're not experienced superheroes or supervillains. They're all kind of figuring it out as they go along. They're figuring out their gear as they go along. And um, there's a lot of collateral damage. That's a result of that. That really kind of drives home. You you don't really understand like the gravity of the stuff you're playing with. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that. Well, speaking of collateral damage, and that segues into something I wanted to talk about. Mm. In all of these movies, and I'm going to extend this beyond just the Marvel Universe, but even Transformers and all, all these movies, <laughs> they're laying waste to sure. how many millions of people that are dying. Tons. And Tons. you know, just destroying buildings like they're nothing. Yeah. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Remember? And, yeah. and we just see this, Superman. you know, just mass slaughter of people. Yeah. Keep in mind, I mean, we're talking about a couple buildings that fell on September 11th, and that is a, a very pivotal moment in American history. And that was, you know, the th- two buildings in, in New York, and then I guess you got another one that falls a little bit later than, you know, the Pentagon. So you're talking about just a relative handful of buildings, and that has shaped human course in America ever sure. since. If you're talking about just destroying buildings constantly, then I think that that needs to be that needs to be addressed. And that's one of the beautiful moments that they did here is they start to actually address that. The people that are trying to clean up after them. And that gave motivation to Michael Keaton's character. Like we just have to clean up after their shit. And this is, that's not fair to us. I really like that moment. I also really like when Peter Parker is trying to catch these bad guys and he's busting through everybody's backyard fence in right. this very Ferris Bueller yeah, style. It was a huge Ferris Bueller It was, Bueller I, it was a Ferris Bueller moment. It was. And, and they literally even show Ferris Bueller yeah. on a television screen. Rightly but, so, because that's all I was thinking about the whole time. Right. And it was yeah. cute. It was really yeah. nice. And I, I thought that, again, that's good writing because instead of paying homage and feeling like, oh, they're just ripping them off, you no. show the movie of no. like, no, 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 we really are doing this on purpose. It's, right. a, it's a tip of the hat. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Right. Like, and now now it doesn't feel like they're ripping him off so much right. as they are homage. Like, we love you, John Hughes. Yeah. But watch that scene again, and you'll see he destroys everybody's property. Oh, for sure. That for was sure. the beauty of Ferris Bueller is he didn't destroy anybody's property. A little bit. What did yeah. he destroy? Uh, I'm, mm. he, Ferris didn't destroy anything. He jumped up people's trampoline. I think he stole a turkey leg or something. It was yeah, like dinner's he, ready. He ran through a living room and like but knocked over a glass or something. Anyway, I understand what you're talking about. The, the collateral damage is much, much less. Far significantly less. I and, agree. and meanwhile, Peter Parker is like ripping fences down and things <laughs> like that and destroying stuff. Well, that's what I'm talking about. He's amateur hour, which I was like, that's great. But you were talking about collateral damage. I just feel like these uh, yeah. characters are constantly destroying people's stuff. Well, they reference that in an earlier film in Batman vs Superman the source of Batman's rage against Superman is his uh, destruction of Metropolis that subsequently caused the death of a number of Wayne Tech employees mm. and that was the kernel of the of the rage that Ben Affleck is like this guy's got to go down like he's a danger to humanity it's an interesting uh, concept I think it's one that a lot of comic books and comic book movies don't always address. Right. And I'm Real- saying they started in that and and they again did it uh, in this film as well. Real quick trivia yeah. note yeah. that I think I have to go back and watch the movie, but during that Ferris Bueller scene in the Spider-Man movie, yeah. I think they played Oh Yeah. Uh, that Oh Yeah. No, I was did listening for that? it. They didn't. Did they play March of the Swivelheads? That's the song that they play when he's actually doing the... Then, the maybe, run. then maybe that's what it was. But I was I was listening for Oh Yeah, but it wasn't there. I think they when when they show Ferris Bueller. Oh, when they actually show him the on the clip? TV. Yeah, I yeah, think they yeah. Sh- I think they played the a different song than the song that's actually playing when he's doing the run. Right, because the song that's playing when he's doing the run is just an instrumental piece. Yeah, it's called March of the Swivelheads. I see. Yeah, yeah, it was different. Ira, you look like you're gonna say maybe something. they could Who, afford the, they could afford the clip, but not the music. May, I think they wanted <laughs> the the music to because no one really remembers the music when he's running. Right. They remember, oh yeah, right, right, right. Go ahead, Ira. My, I think even when uh, a, a scene that I do want to acknowledge, and you heard me, I even said to you when the scene was had ended, when I said I really liked that moment, um, and it was when we were in the car with Michael Keaton's character. Yeah, that was a and great that scene, mm-hmm. and and the father. Well, Robert, we should first set this up. We, had, we the big ending, the surprise, and what, should we do a spoiler here? That the um, uh, it turned out that the girl he has the crush on, who he's taking to the prom, her father happens to be the key villain in the movie. And where they're driving in the car with the girl and 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 Spider Man in the background the, and in the back seat, and the father driving in the front seat, and we realize that aha moment that Michael Keaton's character gets it and knows who Spider Man is. Right. And I even said to you, I, I was too loud, and you said shh. But I said, I really like that scene. I think it was like a five or six minute sequence. And I love the way it was shot. And I want to make the argument too that moments like that are more so much more powerful for me than a ship that's split in half yeah. that, that he's pulling sure. together. Sure. I was get I get kind of numb. I do get numb with the action stuff, the barrage of action stuff. Maybe I'm alone on that. Maybe it's more reflective of who I am. But like that scene in the car, the scene in the warehouse, yeah. that wonderful, the way it was yeah. shot, the two of them coming together. I love those moments. I love those moments. And for me, that's that's more, it's more telling about the movie. It's the character stuff instead of pulling the two halves of a ship back together. Well, I think they're. I think the Marvel writers are. They're getting hip to other movies that they've made that have worked well. Movies like Ant Man and Deadpool. Uh, they work on a different level. There's action, but the action is almost secondary to yeah. the humor that they've got. And even Guardians of the Galaxy, too. I mean, they're, they're, 
more clever and they're they're really more well written. And I think they're trying to hold themselves to a higher standard. I mean, Pixar has done this, right? We've seen Pixar who has really held themselves to a very high standard of writing and they've constantly delivered. Uh, there's maybe been a few missteps, but even their missteps are not awful. I, I mean, I think you'd be hard pressed to find any bad Pixar movie. I don't think there is one. There might be some that we prefer more than others, but none of them are awful. And I think that's probably where Marvel is going is saying, we've got to get the writing down. We've got to figure out how to write these in a way that's still appealing because it does become numbing when you're watching so much stuff get destroyed and it the stakes aren't high anymore. And it I kind of tune out. I do. I yeah. do somewhat detach. Wait, but, you too now? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> nah. But uh, yeah, those those moments that are character driven and that sequence in the car, again, was beautifully photographed, beautifully acted. Yeah. And uh, Keaton, man, he's he, he just held, he was the glue of the movie as far he as I'm really concerned. He really was. I, I He was the gem of this thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so glad this guy's getting a resurgence. I don't know if this is his third wave of, of acting. I don't know what this is for him or second it's wave. Gotta, of, no, it's got to be at least third because second, he, he hit it hard with Birdman. But I almost feel like this is a continuation It is. I put that in the same wave yeah. of Birdman oh, yeah. and that movie, the one about McDonald's. What was the name of that the movie? Founder. The Founder. Yeah, The Founder. And, and now this. I'm putting that in one wave. Now, do we notice that... I don't think it's it's any coincidence that Batman... Okay, Michael Keaton is known for playing Batman. Yeah. Then he plays Birdman, and now he's playing Vulture. He talked about that. On and, the I mean, I don't think this is any... He's he's never done a trilogy before, right? So he's the most he's ever done was uh, Batman uh, Returns. Returns, yeah. So he, th- that's not on his on his radar to do. So for him to play these three characters who are all kind of similar in certain ways... Yeah. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I do too. It was for what it's worth. It was on Jimmy Kimmel, and Jimmy Kimmel acknowledged that very point that you're making. And what did he say? He spoke about that, and he just laughed about it, and kind of sloughed off the question. But he brought up the exact same point you had just mentioned. Um, I think it would be really easy to hate not only this movie but to hate Spider Man. I mean, he's he's running around breaking stuff. He's adolescent. He could have become very whiny in this movie. There he's, was a moment. He's littering spider webs everywhere yeah. he goes. There was I mean, a moment when uh, he was fighting the vulture, and I and he takes off his mask and he's all whiny and snotty, and I was like, "Man, what a teenage punk!" Yeah. But then I realized that's the point. Like, and and no wonder it actually put me in the mindset of Michael Keaton and the vulture. Yeah. And I was like, no wonder you want to wipe this kid out, like. He's annoying and he won't go away and he won't shut up and he won't leave you alone. And he doesn't understand what, what really is the real world's about. Yeah. And I got, I, I got that. He was the best, I think, Spider-Man of the three. Yeah, I, think I so agree too. with Toby that. Tobey Maguire was, you know, for what it's, here's your trivia that Stan Lee was not happy with Tobey Maguire in that first in that first spring. He wasn't thrilled with that choice. I wonder why. It just didn't feel right for me. It just, I wanted to buy into it. I get it, this everyman character, this everyman high school student. I get that, but it wasn't, it just didn't work. But this one, this he was he was terrific in this movie. Do you think it was because he was younger? There was almost too, I was going to say almost too boyish, but there's something, I wasn't buying it in the first movie with Toby. I just wasn't. I just, I guess I could see through Toby Maguire's acting so often. I never really believe him very often. I can see him trying to act and that always pulls me out. Hmm. I think a lot of it was that the thing that the things that Tom Holland was doing as Spider-Man, if I was a teenage boy yet again, 
those are things I would do if I had Spider-Man power. There's no way that it would not be used for some sort of sex type thing. There would be, of course, there would be like masturbating with webs or. Uh, come here, let me, I, I think let me would, shoot this web all over your pussy and make you come or something. I like think it that. would be more of uh, let me let me crawl up and look in the in the windows of the crushes. Well, I guess we know we know where your um your habits lie. And yes. I guess we know where my habits lie. <laughs> I guess so. Ira, what would you do if you were a Spider Man teenager? Uh, I would study in the academic decathlon and be the best student. By the way, I did like the academic. Way to shit on a point, I know, I know. I I let you down, didn't I? I like the academic decathlon as an important part of the film. I I coached it for seven years. Oh, I was going to say, this must have touched touched home with you guys. On the bus. So when you took your team to Washington, D.C. for nationals, and you went up on the top of the Washington Monument. Right, right. collapsed. There was no Spider-Man. Wonder Woman saved us. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what happened. How, How did that go? Did she use her lasso of truth on you? We had sex. You're a lucky man. Did she say, Hi, Ron, what are you doing in there? Are you pooping? Okay. Uh, back to you spider- never play yeah, with yeah, me. Yeah, he yeah. always shuts me well, down. Yeah, yeah. You know, he Robert plays with you off on. mic. Yeah, yeah, he that, plays with me off That's mic. the kind of playing I I'm waiting want. for sirens so I can ask you to take off your pants. There you go. <laughs> All right, what um, do you got? Yeah, I also liked... Um, in the other movie, especially in the one, the first one with, with what's his name? With um, Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire. That it's always an important part. I think in that movie, it was the grandma that he confided and told the truth to. And it was actually a very sweet scene. And I believe the grandma actually smiled and said she knew it all along. Something like right. that. And this was with Marissa Tomei. The was, last line was the, so good. The last line. The last line of that movie was so good. And she's, she's very good. I know people... Look, she won an Oscar. But I a love lot of people, Marissa Tomei. A lot of people feel that she's like a one-note actress. She's very lucky to get that Oscar, and it won't happen I, ever again. I don't think again. anybody feels like that anymore. But we did. they did for years after she got no, that Oscar. The Wrestler changed part. everybody's mind. Yeah. Have you seen uh, The Wrestler? Yeah. No, I haven't seen oh, that. She's fantastic. But, yeah. And she's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the last line is, what was it? What the fuck? Yeah, when she sees him in the... Uh, Actually, it's what the what fuck. fuck. Yeah, and, and, and that the was way a, they and cut what it a was... great way to cut out on that movie because I think it all the others. How is a a, a relative going to find out the truth? They've yeah. always done that, and I thought that was very smart. I, she was really great in this. I'm, I want to talk a little bit for a minute because last week we talked about interracial couples. I actually think she was underused. Go ahead. In this movie, yeah. Marissa yeah. Tomei. Yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think you're right. I think. I think she was having maybe a little too much fun on set, and I wish they had given her a little bit more meat so she could have sunk her teeth into it because well, I, I feel like there wasn't enough for her to really do yeah that's my thing you have this i guess she she has this aura around her because everyone talks about her everyone yeah. references her in the entire film they're like hey peter how's your aunt hey may hope you're wearing something skimpy you know they kind of build her up a lot right and then she's really not in it that much and i was really hoping for a scene or two of some real meat. Yeah. They, they almost do it when she's like, when she busts him and is like, you've been sneaking out every night. You're skipping school. You're, you're dropping out of the, but even that's cut short. That moment. Yeah. And then he's just like, Oh, I lost my internship. And she's like, Oh, everything is forgiven. Yeah. Let me tell you, if I told, if my mom approached me and was like, I know you've been going out every night and skipping school and dropping the decathlon. And I was like, sorry, I lost my internship. She would be like, that is the least of your concerns right now, Buster. Like, but you just shoot webs over her mouth to shut her up, though, right? But he doesn't have his web shooters at the time. Yeah. 
Gotta go get those. Let's talk about the interracial. You're gonna aspect. say the interracial. Yeah, I want to so, hear your take on this. We talked a little bit last week about interracial couples, and one of the things that uh, you know I I really uh, applauded. Um, yeah, it, um, comes, it at comes at night because they didn't address the fact that it was interracial, and nor did they hear. And they didn't address it here. Yeah, how about and that? And I thought that was really nice. Yeah, and yeah. in a way, what I also really liked was it if there was ever even any inkling that you thought that Michael... Oh! I heard horn. Is that, that kind a, of siren? That's not a siren. I didn't hear anything. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I heard Producer yeah. says no. <laughs> You're going to get yeah. Yeah. busted. <laughs> Dodged a bullet. Yeah. For now. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? So, anyway, yeah. So, if you ever thought for any any instance that for any instant that Michael Keaton was the dad of this crush that, that he, you know, Peter Parker has a crush on Liz. Uh, yeah. Fascinating then, that it wasn't MJ. Well, it wasn't back Stacy. Was, the fact that it was not the same race really would have pulled you out of that, that, uh, that suspicion. You know, if you ever thought, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if these two were related, you would never suspect father because of the race assumptions that you would make. Sure. And then, you show up and you go, wait, what? And then we see, okay, black mom, white dad. Oh, this well, is starting they, to make more sense. So was Keaton's character the biological father? I think that was the I, implication. Uh, we yeah, would the have, biological uh, father? I, I believe I so. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. then she was half black. Because of the way that he was addressing, he was like, for my family. It wasn't, this didn't seem like a, a broken up family. The guy seemed like a real centered family. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get stepdad right. vibe. Yeah. I got father Because that would have been a lot more creepy so here's and molester. Question. He would think... have been like, come here, Liz. Do you think that give, was a... Give, give your stepdad a kiss goodbye before you go to the dance, gumdrop. Do... <laughs> I, I love I the way you're not. saying gumdrop. Yeah. Um, was, that a, was that a conscious choice for uh, diversity? That or did, I wonder. If I it don't was think written, it was subconscious. I, well, I, think I wonder, it was a it was deliberate con- choice. But it was a deliberate choice. I wonder if it was written that way in the script. I, Good. I'm sure. It, I'm How would sure that read? Would have. <laughs> a uh, Liz, <laughs> a black girl, uh, um, African American. Um, uh, de- definitely not the N word. Uh, a a girl who walks. Anyway, Peter's got a crush on her, and she's not the same race. You well, figure it out. Yeah. That's or her name wouldn't have been Liz. Maybe it would have been a different. Okay. All yeah. Right. It would have been Shaniqua. And I then was the last say minute that. they yeah. changed the yeah. name. They changed it to Liz. Yeah. But uh, that is a real interesting point. Yeah. I, I, just, yeah. I thought that was an interesting uh, an interesting way to go. They could have done it a different way. And I like that they chose it this way. And they, they didn't get preachy. You don't need to be preachy. When you get preachy, you water down the message. And that's how the lesson is more effective organically. Right. There you go. I want to ask a question Where was Hulk? Where was Thor? Don't we have other superheroes besides Iron Man? Why is Iron Man the only one that always solves all of these problems? Mason, I feel like you'd be a good person to answer this question. Sure. I actually have some thoughts on that. Uh, two thoughts. One, maybe they didn't have the budget to include the other Avengers. Nah, I'm talking like, in the world, in the universe. Oh. Where are they? Well, Thor is obviously interdimensional. So he, right, goes, so that, he goes off wherever he's, he Right, he's wants. some other planet. Okay. Hulk, uh, I really don't, I really can't say. But, I mean, Bruce Banner does, in theory, travel quite a bit. He's always on the on the lookout for a cure. So they always kind of write him out to, you know, he's in India or he's wherever, you know. they The Avengers only come together in times of true crisis. Like, we need, we need you know, we're, we're facing something that could end the world. Let's get the Avengers. They don't hang out. Like, when they're not in active duty, they all split up and go do whatever they're... Whatever uh, they want to do. Whatever they're... Um, single 
comic lines are. Whatever I guess what I'm saying is I, I wish they had done a better job of incorporating those characters. They like, kind of like little blips. Well, or they something. did it with Captain America, where the Captain sure. America's like, okay, you're going to be doing these promos. And he's like, well, I guess that's my job now. I work for America. Oh, and I'll do that. Actually, now that you mention it, if you look at the Marvel Universe, Captain America's not around because of the, ev- the events of Civil War. Everybody's split. Thor is off in space on Thor Ragnarok, and apparently Hulk is with him. Okay. That's a decent I, I, answer. I was going to say that. No, you weren't. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I want you to know, I hope you heard this, that there was the line, what are you doing here? I know. You got I noticed that. that. I, I heard you scoff. Yeah, and I was, yeah. You know what? There's another trope that I can't stand with this movie, and I hate when movies do this. It bothers me so much. Now that I say it, every high school movie you ever see is going to have this. Right in the middle of a pivotal scene, somebody will be saying something, and then the bell rings, and everyone leaves. And they did it in this movie when they're in the gym, and he's he's squaring off with everybody, like, "Oh, come to the party! Why don't you come to the party?" And it's like starting to get to come to blows, and then the bell rings, and everyone goes too away. convenient. I hate that. Every scene is interrupted by yeah. the end of class. Yeah. But that's because he no. was saved by the bell. This no. is this is a cliche because it's true. This no. is, this happened to me in my high school. I don't know about you. That you were saved by the bell? Yes, no. many times. Many times. Really? You were never saved by the bell? No. I never knew saving. Uh, (laughs) Well played, Ira. Well, thank you. I think it was kind of coincidental. It's every movie. Every freaking high school movie. I think it's, and I think it was written that way. I think it's a cliche, but I think they're doing it because it's it's expected. It's annoying, and you don't need to do it. You could end the scene a different way. And also, this line of... What are you doing here? I hate that line. That's an off. It's a. It's bad writing. I didn't catch that. Yeah, that was when he was in the uh, bathroom, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he walks yeah. in. Oh, oh. Happy's, happy's, happy's there. He says, in the, "Happy, what are you what, doing right, here?" Right, right. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I, the, uh, just be on the lookout for those lines. Like for, fair. That's a fair in, point. In, in movies that you see now, just mark them up and be uh, like, "That's yep, a fair that's point." Got that movie. Okay. Right. I want to ask you something. At the very end of the movie, when Michael Keaton's character is in jail and he sees his other, the henchman there, and Michael Keaton's line to him, where the henchman says, uh, rumor has it that you know who Spider-Man is. And Keaton's character says, well, if I knew who he was, he'd be dead. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I was... Go ahead. I was a little taken aback by that as well, that he was defending him. Yes. The only, the only justification I can come to is that Spider-Man did save his life. And he has a thing where he's like, if you save my life, I'll save your life. So the, the, the vulture arced the character. I don't know if he arced because that's part of his base character. He's like, it, a life is worth a life. So you saved my daughter's life. I'll spare your life. You saved my life. I'll spare your life again. Yet by saying to that other henchman, yeah. if I knew who he... Are you kidding? If I knew who he was, he'd be dead. It almost sounds like, well, no, wait. Is this, if the villain's going to come back, now where's the motivation to go after Spider-Man? Why does he have to be a villain when he comes back? Why can't he join them? Well, the other option is that he didn't want to give Parker's right. death away. Right. right, And he's saving it for himself. So I guess the writers kind of it was ambig- hedged it was their bets on that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? What I like about it is that, A, it sets up the return of this character no matter what. Sure. Like we're going to see more of Michael Keaton. Sure, sure. And I think it also spawns this kind of conversation. What did that line mean? Right. What's his motivation? And what a cool little fruit to dangle on a lot of comic book and movie nerds who are going to watch this and try to 
analyze and hypothesize what might be the motivation behind the it. way we're doing right now. Right. And I, I would say, I don't know if you guys have heard the, about the Bechdel test. Yeah. You know about that? Spider-Man Homecoming famously fails the Bechdel test. Uh, I didn't so, know that it failed, but ex- I'm not surprised. Explain to our listeners and to Ira what that is. <laughs> oh, the Bechdel test was to, uh, is a test that was devised by a famous comedian. Who's... It was a comic. It was a comic strip back in the 80s. Right. Uh, and um, basically, it's, it's three things. It's, uh, or four things. It's, is there more than one woman in the film? Are they named? Do they talk to each other? And if they do talk to each other, is it about something that is not a man? Now, Ira, I've told you this before, and our movie does pass this test on a technicality. Right, but the point, is, the point being that there are so many films that don't. And, and it was, obviously, I work at Meltdown, and it was brought immediately to our attention, famously, that um, Spider-Man Homecoming does not pass the Bechdel test, and a lot of people were upset. Well, this is some feminine fem Nazi yeah. agenda. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know if Mason's going to say it or not, but it is. The, the idea that it has to pass. I don't think it's a fem Nazi <laughs> point to want or expect in a film. Told you going to disagree. That, what did I tell you? That two, two women talk but to each other. That's about... sexist. That's sexist right there to say oh, that. Jesus, God. How does our movie pass that? Because the mother in law and the baby have. A, like the, the they're cooing. That's they're a conversation. That's a Go feed the ducks. Go that's, feed the ducks. That's what that's she a, says. Man, that's a real technicality. <laughs> we pass. We pass. Yeah. Good. Gloria maybe, Allred maybe. will be happy. They're both. I, they're both named. Yeah. They, they. There is some exchange of of sounds that go back and forth. Sure. It's not about a guy. So there you go. Go feed the duck. Good. All right, hey. Good. This will keep Gloria Allred and Lisa Bloom off our backs. Good. Yeah. But I I was surprised. To find that there are two pretty big main female characters and they don't talk to each other and they don't talk. But if you're writing a story in order to... uh, Look, this is storytelling. And if you're trying to tell a story in order to, to pass that goal, then you're not trying to be true to the story. You're not trying to be true to the characters. The whole... I mean, it's about a guy who's awkward around women. So to see... The two main females, they have no reason to talk to one another. If you were to create a scene with those two characters... They're on the debate team together. They're, they're working together. Who? MJ and Liz. No, wait. MJ was named Michelle. That, that's what that's, they said. They said, what was your, what's your name? Michelle. People call me MJ. Right. Not Mary Jane. Right. So, I mean, I don't think that... Is that the same MJ? I don't know what the fuck that's supposed That's to supposed mean. to be the same MJ. It, it, it's, it, was a, it was a huge, huge debate. Um, and it set a lot of comic fans off when Zendaya was cast as Mary Jane. And all these people got up in there. And all the fans came forward and said, oh, you're doing the character a disservice. And, and on, on uh, one of the podcasts that I co-hosted, History of the Batman, we had a huge debate about does race matter in the portrayal of a comic book character? And it was interesting. But anyway, to get back to your point, um, yeah, she's supposed to be the, the Mary Jane of, this, of the Spider-Man franchise. But I guess what I'm trying to say is they're making, they're trying to tell they're a story. They're making changes. Well, yeah. they're, they're also trying to tell a story about this character. They're trying to tell a story about Spider-Man. Sure. And to throw in an obligatory conversation between two females in order to pass the Bechdel test 
is sexist. That's a sexist it's act. Not, it's not something that has to be obligatory. It's something that a well-crafted script with well-crafted female characters, you know, it, it should pass. No, I disagree with that. I mean, we look at, I mean, Lawrence of Arabia, there's no women in sight. And that's a well-crafted script because they're trying to tell that I'm, story. I'm not saying that it's not. There, there are there are tons of amazing films that fail the test. Right. There's lots of shitty movies that pass the test. And then there's some that do both. You know, there's some amazing movies that pass the test too. I'm just saying that I was surprised it didn't happen in uh, in this movie, particularly because it's aimed at youth. It's presumably aimed at young people of both genders. And, uh, and it... And, it's racial casting already denotes that it's some sort of, um, you know, they're, they're taking the, the, the PC approach in a lot of things. And so I'm surprised it didn't come up. I, I would have felt that it was obligatory. I would have felt that if it, if it was in there, it I, would have been a scene to put, to check that off the list. And that is sexist. It doesn't have to be a scene. It can just be a conversation that's happening in the, in the, in the part of the film. Like, uh, that well, doesn't at, make sense. At, at that one point, they do. They, they. I mean, she's she turns to the other one and says, "I mean, while they're they're arguing over the dinger and, and everything else, they turn to each other and say a line." Do they? I think they did. I missed. But it, it. I mean, I don't. I don't think that was a conversation. I don't know right. if that would really pass. Right. Them. Right. I mean, at that point, you're passing on a technicality, much like I understand. I, I'm, I'm saying just, our movie would pass. Yeah, sure. I'm just saying that I'm surprised. I think there was enough in the script to framework it, particularly when they're hanging out in DC together. They're hanging out in, on the debate team together. Like, there's an, they're on the bus together. They're in the hotel together. They're at, they're at the pool together. There's there's moments where it could have happened and not, I don't think felt obligatory. I think it could have felt natural and part of the, part of the world. That's no, I, I think it still would have been obligatory to write it. But okay, regardless, let's talk about makeup for a minute did you notice that peter parker had a lot of makeup on especially when he in the hall pass scene do you remember this where he's got the hall pass and he runs into liz in the hall it's almost worth i wish we could bring it back up that makeup was caked on his face and you yeah, could really I, see it i didn't i didn't, I didn't notice, notice it I did. but I it's will, when he's holding the hall pass sign right yeah. i don't remember seeing that i would argue that maybe it's maybe he had acne as a result i'm of, sure that's what it was or Maybe they're trying to pass it off that after he's been through such a horrendous ordeal, he's trying to no, I don't, cover it. No, I don't think that's what it, it looked like. He probably just had some bad skin, okay. and they just went really heavy on that makeup. That's, yeah, And I, I think the lighting crew just didn't get that scene right. They were trying too hard to get beautiful light coming in, but it just made it... You could see it all gunked up in his nose and stuff, and it was well, like... Well, you know, when they shoot hmm. in... I think they're shooting in like 8K now, yeah. and I mean, you'll, you see everything. Yeah. You can see the pores. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. Um... I also want to talk about the the double-edged sword of family. You know, we've we've heard this as a reoccurring uh, mantra in all of these movies of family, 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 family. And now in this movie, you're starting to see Michael Keaton's character use family as a motivation to do things that might be evil. And I think that's really, that's one of the more interesting aspects of this movie to me is that this concept that the Fate of the Furious, for example, they used ad nauseum this we're family we're family and that's what's going to make us win that's what's going to give us the edge above everyone else is that we're family and here that's what's pushing the bad guys motivations what do you guys think about all of these movies that mention family how about that 
How about that? Yeah. And why is that happening now? And you're right. Michael Keaton's character uh, loves his family. Yeah. Loves his wife and daughter. Well, that's... Um, it's a sign of what's going on out there. I mean, I would agree with you, but I would also say that it's been around for a long time. Like a- any mafia film, anything that do with any sort of crime-driven sure. yeah. group, you know, they're always, you know, we're we're family, we're before anyone else. And it's, I mean, it's, it's just a great writer's motivation. I, I think, for example, like, you know, famously in... Um, the Godfather movies, of course, the family there we're on the bad guy's side. I mean, these are anti-heroes, right? And I, family is still used as a as the motivation for bad guys, but they're they're anti-heroes in a sense. Here, the villain of the movie is using family as his motivation, and I don't, I can't think of very many times that that's been uh, that that's come up. Uh, certainly for heroes, and also for anti-heroes, but not for villains. Uh, Star Trek, yeah. I, I I'm not familiar with the Star Trek. Oh, uh, movies. the. I mean, the, I know what Star Trek is, obviously. Yeah, the, in the reboot of uh, Wrath of Khan, they you know, the guy is uh, his daughter's dying. He need, he'll do anything for a cure, and so Khan approaches him and is says, you know, I'll cure your daughter. Just steal these. Give give me top secret access. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I, th- that might be, but I'm saying yeah. I think that's a rarity, and I like that about this movie. Oh, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I liked it too, but I don't think it's, it's as rare as you think. Hmm. That's okay. Also, what about the music? The, the music I loved it. Really I thought it was I, I have a note on that. Ramones. <laughs> I know you don't believe I sure. I I know, it. Was it a musical I, note? I have a note. I mean, was it a quarter note? It's a... That's my so it was an off pitch. High, I really like the mu- I like the music. I like high And there was, there was also oh, the drink. <laughs> like orange, orange uh, there was also an acknowledgement of the original, what was it, the cartoon? The original Sp- Spider-Man. That, that was in the music. But right. I, at the very beginning, I was struck by the overture. The, I liked the music. I was aware of it. And now, are you talking about the this the symphony music for the movie? Like the, the, the score? Because mm-hmm. the score, to me, I didn't really care for. I did like the music selection much the same way that like Baby Driver had a great music selection. No, yeah, I'm talking about the actual music See, that was composed for the movie. I didn't. It didn't really. It didn't appeal to me as much. I it didn't. It. It didn't feel like it was memorable enough. Well, a lot of it was oh. um, throwbacks from the Avenger films. Hmm. There was there wasn't so much original uh, Spider-Man score. A lot of it was pulled uh, callbacks from the Avengers. There was uh, a good chunk of original spider-man score as well but i think what you're talking about were callbacks from the avengers to me i i, I like the ramones i like some of the oh yeah that the was music well, yeah selected. but we're not talking about yeah, soundtrack but, but no, the, the score theme, itself i i i've wow i think i might have mentioned it on this podcast before but i know i've been saying this to somebody lately i feel like a lot of the po- a lot of the um the musical scores don't have a good enough hook there's not this uh, like jaws that don't on on. It's not easily in, uh, imitated. But isn't the a lot of people would argue the point of a score is to not notice it, to lend you know, emotion. You know, you could, to I the, once no. told you this reminds me of something I said to you about a sign of good cinematography is when you're not aware of it. Right, and exactly. you you did the same reaction. You went, mm, I don't no. agree. And interesting, you're saying that about the music. But there's something to be said that the music scores were so distinctive with the Elmer Bernstein's and and the John Williams. No, I mean they're, of course they're more, I. I mean, Hans Zimmer, imagine I would right, Back to the Future without... Dun, 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 dun. I mean, that's, right. that's no, memorable. I mean, yeah, there's Harry Potter, there's you know Star Wars, all these, all these examples of what you're talking about, of course. 
So I and I think that's what's missing in a lot of movies is that instead it's it's like beautiful notes that they're hitting and no doubt that the the orchestra has talent in what they're they're assembling but it's just not memorable. It's not memorable in the same way that Star Wars and a lot of these other movies are. And I think that's what what I'm missing. Uh you know even uh, I told you earlier that I'd seen The Professional recently and in The Professional that has some really good score there and it may not be catchy but that score is really well crafted right and i i i think that there's a lack of that and i would a agree lot, a lot of the movies just have big music just and they look at a music. lot of swells yeah. that's what i noticed about the spider-man film that there were just a lot of swells but i like swells so it worked two minor notes one when are they going to make a Peter Porker movie? Do you remember Peter Porker, the comic of like there was I don't Por- know if you Porky know this. Pig. It was there was Peter Porker and in the back of the Spider-Man comics there was this one uh it, it's probably like a page or two long of this one kind of minor character. It was Spider-Man, oh no, Spider-Ham. That's what yeah, it was, Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham. And it was basically like a you know, they were making fun of themselves and they would write this story of Peter Porker who's a pig who's also he's got spider powers. And it was really cute. It was always kind of funny. They joined. He they be, they joined Power Packaderms. Oh, did they? Do you remember that? No, I don't there, remember that. There was a kind of an X Men spinoff called Power Pack, which huh. had like the B B roll. It was like Elektra and uh, Wolverine and Psylocke and whatever. And then um, so they made a they made a Power Packaderms sp- side spinoff. And the other thing that I want to talk about. And Mason, you were privy to this for the first time, but Ira, you and I love this. Regal Cinemas has got to do something about this racist robot. The robot <laughs> that offers popcorn to I, the white woman and ignores the How many times have we seen that? I blinked how and many, missed this. You did. But you guys went apeshit. Oh it's so fucking funny. It was, well, I, like, I saw the robot come in and I saw the robot sit down. And then you guys are like, oh, look, it's Zoom. Oh, my God, it's here. It's a... And I, I guess I sneezed or something, but I totally missed it. And then you guys were like, so fucking racist. Oh, my God. And it's so, so I have, We've I have seen to go that back like five or six it. times. Yeah. 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 I have to go back and watch it. I clearly yeah. missed. It's yeah. so great. If it's I think a, the, it, it does the, sound pretty horrendous. You say that. The, the robot needs... literally sits down next to the black woman. The black woman looks up at the robot and adoringly, robot never even looks over. Instead, reaches across the empty seat and offers popcorn to the white woman sitting very far away from him. It's so great. What, what are I they? Love it. What, what are they trying to say with that? I think what they're trying to say is the robot is sharing, and there's like an empty seat there. And I think they're putting the the black woman in, and she's very smiley to be like, "Hey, we're all getting along here. There's no problems." They're trying to make it PC, but I it, I accidentally to, it becomes racist. Yeah, it sounds weird. I have to go back and watch it. I again. think Jesse Jackson has to get on board on the this. Reverend. Also, the NAACP. I want racist robot trending. We gotta get that trending. I bet if you, so I bet if funny. you searched on YouTube, it's on there. I, I bet. bet it is. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. Yeah. Hey, we're nitpicking a bit, but there's one more thing I want to share about the movie. Yeah. I think I'm going to be alone on this point. I, I did think not you're like. Alone I now. did. Yeah. I did not care for the animation behind the closing credits. Really? Yeah, yeah. it was okay. I kind of liked it. I. So you're you're not totally alone. I'm, I'm half alone. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mason's with me half. Halfway. Right. It was all right. It it was it was it was uh, too light and playful after what we'd just seen. Really? It did, for me, but it maybe didn't that fit was the, tone. the maybe that was the point though. They're trying but to bring you out. The tone. Oh, to pull me out of that moment. Yeah, because I mean, it ends oh, on okay. kind of a downer. Yeah. Before it went to all black in the background, remember it was split in half 
And uh, the first half with the animation in the background, I thought was um, was goofy. Especially okay. because, you know, they really stick it to you with the sting at the end. With the uh, Captain the tag, America? Yeah, the tag. Yeah. I was like, wow, way to go. There's a great uh, tag of Captain America at the end after the credits yeah. of, of him. It, this constant like uh, through line throughout the movie of public Captain America, public service announcements. Yeah. Um, I like the, okay, the title, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. And I like that in the homecoming, when he walks in, the camera even seems to pause for a moment as he opens up the doors to go into the homecoming dance. And we... we we know how the outcome is going to be. There's no way he's just going to go back to being a regular high school kid. But we see him in that moment. That's his moment of, okay, when I step through this door, I now become a man. And he has to become the superhero. And when he pushes the concrete off himself that the vulture has, has wiped down him, yes. he has this really, yes. he has, he stares back in his reflection of, all right, you have to do this for yourself. I didn't care for the voiceover of, Tony Stark saying you're nothing without the suit. I, I think we could have done without that. I agree with that. But I think, I, I think that was probably there for people who just didn't yeah. quite who, get it. Who needed to be spoon fed? Yeah. But I, what I like is that it didn't mean something, and there was we saw real growth out of the character, and I, I think this was really nice storytelling in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And okay. Pu pushing the concrete off himself was one of my money shots. Yeah, that's, that's the next yeah, question I was yeah. going to ask. What yeah. are your money oh, shots? Yeah. Money shots. I forgot yeah. about you the forgot. money Quick, shots. You yeah. jot down a couple quick things while Robert and I... Okay. While Robert right. and I... I'm thinking, go ahead. Shuffle. Uh, I had two. Okay. Uh, obviously, the concrete... Well, I have three now. The concrete pushing that off was a very powerful moment where mm. he suddenly... He 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 becomes Spider Man. Yes. Yeah, literally. Yeah, and also um, when he does meet with the Vulture, that that long shot with the camera far back with the two of them in the warehouse. Yeah. But especially, and I had that strong reaction in the car with his date next to him, with um, with the date's father driving with Michael Keaton. That whole sequence. No, what that I think you're responding to is after he gets the girl to leave the car, and they have their own little private moment. Oh no, yeah. I Okay. Oh, aren't you talking about no, on, the about on the way? No, I'm talking about on the way. Oh, on the way. I'm talking about on the way there. As he right. figures so out. I see. When he gets it, that's an incredible four or five minutes that that's just the way it was shot. Very on I the waterfront. Real... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So those were my money shots. Uh, I had two money shots. One was this Ferris Bueller spinoff where he's running sure. through in the backyard. Sure. That's going to stay with me. I just, I love the idea of him the tripping. Was like a tracking shot, yeah. wasn't it? The yeah. Cameras, yeah. 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 And the other one, I, I bet is one that you guys even forgot already, but I love these little moments and it just cracked me up so much. Towards the beginning when he's looking for crimes to, to help out with, there is a quick shot where he's talking to an old woman and he's giving directions. <laughs> and I was dying laughing because he's just... He's, he's like, looking like I'm a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man looking to solve crime, but there's no real crime. So right. Does he make a mistake lady. just before that with that guy he thinks is breaking in the car? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he wasn't even. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. This is he's my making car. mistakes, yeah. but he he's got to be hero. Yes, right. I know. And yeah. I, I love that moment. But to me, giving the woman directions yeah. was so great. Like you have this world-class superhero, to be a good Samaritan. Yeah, he's just like, oh uh, yeah, you go down here, make a left, and then it's right yeah. there on the right. Yeah. That's so awesome. So that stuck with me too. Mason, what about you? Man. Um... I will say I, so 
I enjoyed the scene where he confronted Donald Glover and mm-hmm. in the interrogation mode. Yeah. I thought that was great, but that's not when a real his hand s- is, is webbed to yeah. the trunk of the car. And I don't know if they were trying to, Donald Glover has been cast as black lightning in, um, in one of the Netflix shows. So I don't know if that's a reference if, if he's going to go off and become that or something. But yeah. anyway, I enjoyed that. I thought it was funny, but that was really just comedic relief. I think I I'm going to agree with Ira. My, the money shot of uh, him and Michael Keaton in the warehouse, the far shot where they're yes. facing. It's so classic. I've seen it in all the sorts of Westerns and all sorts of... The showdown. It was a showdown. Yeah, and it it's great. It was a great shot. And then also, I agree with Ira again, the Michael Keaton in the car kind of figuring it out, particularly where his his eyes are... Yeah. You know, just just a close up of the eye. Yes. As, as you yes. see, he's like putting it all together, and I was like, "Man, what a great Isn't shot!" Isn't it interesting that the, that the shots that we're remembering are are very small and intimate, and they're not. I mean, maybe the the wide shot at the, at the warehouse, but it's not keeping the barge from falling apart. How right? about that? It's not the big fight on the invisible airplane. It's, How about that? And that was my premise a little while ago, saying that those are the moments that stand out for me. Yeah, I get a little bit numb with yeah. these action shots, but those are the the, the personal and the character level, the close up of Michael Keaton's face when he's driving. It almost the car. feels like those it's shots just... are made for the trailer, and the yeah. other shots that you're talking about are made for the movie. Yes, right. Yes. Sure. Well, what do, what do we think? What's our overall rating? What kind of grade would we give it? What's the, what's your scale? Our scale yeah. is one, but to, to, to Apple. We... We do apples, numbers. Do we do do we do stars, five stars? Do we do ten stars? Do we make it theme tie in with the movie? Like how many webs? Let's do He Man characters. All right. So <laughs> on a scale from Skeletor to Beast Man, what would you give this? Are you putting Beast Man above He Man? Yeah. Wow. That's a I'll, no. That's I'll a go fail. from Lockjaw to Shira. Where would you do it? That's heavy, man. Man at arms. Uh, why man at arms. Okay. I, I sure. think we should go to a letter grade. You wouldn't do Mechanic. No. Although Shira, I mean, I just love Shira. Man, when are they going to make that movie? That would be. That would make bank. Who wouldn't want to see Shira? Look at the success of Wonder Woman. I, I've got a guy sitting right next to you who would. You wouldn't want to. Want to you would love to see Shira. Why? Are you and you know I it. See her? Is she cute? Oh my God, she's a, she's gorgeous. You does would she, love her. Does she, she wear a miniskirt and high heels? Yes. She. Why are she you does saying, not wear Robert? High heels. What? She's not wearing stilettos. High heels. Yes. No, she wears those. She wears the boots. They're Wait, high heeled boots. Does she wear? They're black, not flat. Does she wear boots. black fishnets? No, she's white. She wears all white. Shira, princess, princess of power. I think I'd like this. I know you would. Yeah. Okay. Getting not back for the to... same reasons that you would. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Okay. Ira. Shira. Shira. Uh, I think Shira. I have a feeling, right, a gentleman. I, Ira, I want you to rate I this I like, on a yes. scale from yes. one to ten. The uh, Oakland Athletics. Oh A's God, I hate sports. To the New York Mets. He knows I hate sports. So where would you? All put right, it? I'm going to go first. Forget your scale. Allow me to suggest. I think I like the movie just slightly less than you two gentlemen, and I am going to give my overall rating is a B plus plus. So. Where does that rate? Does that qualify as an A minus? No, or what? not quite. Almost, but not quite. So is that like a Baltimore Orioles? I don't understand your you rating. Stop Baltimore Orioles crap. rock. B plus East plus. Coast. Where, where are you, gentlemen? Uh, I would give this movie. I would give it a B B plus. I think. I would also give it a B plus. Yeah, wow. decent. Check it out. Definitely yeah. worth checking out in the movie worth theater. It. Worth yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, maybe, it's a, but maybe it's not, not something best. that I I feel if I don't own it I'm okay. Yeah. But yeah. definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Good. All right. Hey, we did it. 
Let's we'll talk did. about our top five, shall we? Top five. five. That's it. That's it. We just did it. Ira, we don't need your poem. We just heard a song. He you're just not, sang one. Let's move on. Top not, five. All right. My uh, number five. Uh, um, you're not going to get off that. Excuse me. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And now wipe off that frown as we present our countdown. Mm-hmm. We ain't joshing. This ain't no jive. Time to give a listen to our top five. That's pretty good. I have to admit that. Thank you. You know, Mason, Robert, appreciates me a lot more than you do. Are you aware of that? <laughs> yes, I am. Ira, you give a lot to this show, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I, I'll drive you home, okay? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, our top five this week is top five high school movies. Right. Mason, as the guest, why don't you go first? Okay. My number five, I don't know if you guys have heard of this oh, one Oh, wait. Before, oh. may I please say two things? No, number one, if you if you have any scoops of ice cream, we don't do it until when we're done with our oh, five. Oh, okay. Because it That's will de- you, Ira. Yeah, no I one do, else does that. No. I, I know. I, I do have... after. And we'll hear those after. Mason, don't it, encourage him. I have honorable mentions. No, this mentions. is your idea. Because it'll take away from someone else's. And point right. number two, and we should share this with you. In the top five, they cannot be movies we've already discussed. This year. What? This year. So here's the idea. This is really applicable to me and Ira, because we keep okay. using the same movies. Oh. I'm going to find a way to, to incorporate Mad Max into high school yeah. and Believe somehow me, or another. Believe me, if high school... Yeah. So, you can't. He Come would on. do it. Oh, hey, can't I? He would do it. Are you going to argue that in the... Uh... In the settlement, they're in going. The settlement. To, they're going to school. Yeah, look closely. Well, there are some deaths in a chalkboard. There are. There are. Uh, yeah. Look at Beyond Thunderdome. There was. There was. There was education. There was the teacher who was but teaching all the kids. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, we don't need another hero. What I'm saying is, Tina Turner. That's why we you have. You think this... I don't know the law? <laughs> that's so that's why we have this rule in place so that okay. we don't. I just wanted to explain that to you. Okay, I understand. Mason, number five. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of this one, Three O'Clock High. Yes, oh, I yeah. love Three yep, O'Clock yep, High. Yep. Great, great. Yeah. I'm jealous I didn't put that on my list. That's oh, a good it's, one. It's a great uh, slice of life of high school. It's so good. It's so hilarious. It's one of those movies that totally belonged in the uh, the, the canon of films that like the 80s. Like the John Hughes era. John Hughes movies. Yeah. And I never saw it until I was older. Yeah. And when I watched it, I was going... This is like a hidden John yeah. Hughes movie. Yes. It's as if John it, Hughes made one that you never knew about. But it wasn't John Hughes. But right. Yeah. But it, it felt very yeah. reminiscent of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Maybe like a, a little more cartoony. It was but... like a low-budget, independent John Hughes movie. It was great. Right. And it, and it stayed with me, even yeah. after all these years. When you said, think of your first, uh, think of your top five high school movies, it instantly was like, that was it. It's yeah. not my number one, but it's the first one that popped in my head. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Have you seen it, Ira? I have. Wow. Wow. Yeah. See? You're both impressed. Awesome, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember anything about it? No. Oh, you should go back. Yeah, you should yeah, go back and rewatch it. It's really worth yeah. it. Yeah. It's all a showdown the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got till three o'clock. This bully's right. going to beat his ass. All right, Ira. What's your number five? My number five. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Fast yeah. Times. Yeah. How can you not include that? that? You just like the Phoebe Cates scene. Yeah. Man, those titties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I haven't seen it. You haven't you seen haven't it? Seen you haven't seen it? A lot of Mason? people. I know, I know, I know. I need to. All right, to. You're three times you've been on our show. That's it. Game that's over. It. That's it. I'm gone. Wow. I, Dis- disqualified. Literally the best booby scene in all of cinema. Sorry. Well, I've seen that okay. scene, okay. but I haven't seen just the Just on repeat at home alone late <laughs> sure. at night? No. 1982. And... Um, Seminal high school movie. Cameron Crowe wrote it. Amy Heckerling uh, directed it. It right. had a lot of stars right. who were not famous at that time who went on to achieve superstardom after the film. That's my number five. Sure. All right. Okay. Whew. My number five. 
Man, I, I, I was really torn about this because I, I could not decide. There's a lot of really great, great high school movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a lot that that left were left on the cutting room floor here. But my number five from 2012 is a movie that was a remake of a TV show from the 1980s, 21 Jump Street. Did you see the remake? With Channing Tatum? Uh, yes. No. It's... I wanted to hate that movie, yeah, and I left crying, laughing. That movie is surprisingly funny. Okay, it's, wow. It it seems stupid, but yeah. it's so self aware of how stupid it is, and it it plays with all of the stereotypes of those kinds of movies. And it's really well written. It's extremely well acted, and it's really funny. Wow, it's this, a really funny. This is a movie. surprise. Yeah. yeah, I saw the TV series, but never the film. No. It, it's really worth checking out. It's funny. Okay, Mason, what's your number four? My number four, uh, obviously going with John Hughes on this one, The Breakfast Club. All right, I thought nice. that was, you know, the quintessential high school film. What's that Absolutely. movie about? That's about a bunch of kids who get detention and have to come out of their cliques and hash each other out oh. as people, I, and it's amazing. Okay, of nice course, choice. If you haven't seen it, I'm shocked. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Many and, times. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, these are not my scoops of ice cream, but I just want to say I'm not including these films because we already talked about them. American Graffiti. Robert yeah, and I, I thought about that about one too. Breakfast Club, but even to Sir With Love, I can't include that because we already spoke about those movies. So those were not my scoops of ice cream. But you're stepping on somebody else's potential. Well, movie. they wouldn't be yours because we talked about them. I can, I can no, mention no, movies no. that you haven't mentioned. Wait a minute. Do these just have movies that just come you up in discussion? Or some, yeah. You never, that you were ambiguous and vague on that. Oh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> weren't you my number four this is a movie that's somewhat obscure I don't know if you're familiar with it Blackboard Jungle yes I love Blackboard Jungle you I never know, talked I, about I've this. never heard of it you never heard oh, of it yeah, 1955 yeah. Uh, Richard Brooks the director I mean you know he did Looking for Mr. Goodbar yeah and and um, in Cold Blood he directed mm-hmm. in Cold Blood what a cast now here we have Sydney Portier. in Cold talk. Blood is a great movie I know I know black and white the cinematography Ugh, Conrad Hall Conrad Hall shot that oh, did he? yes yes um, this is when Sydney Portier, who was into Sir with Love now he's playing the uh, the student instead of the teacher and and Gled Ford and um, and and Francis was in it it was just, even Paul Mazursky a great director mm-hmm. was also he did he did things like Bob Carroll Ted and Alice really important films in the 70s and he's in it too and it's about a rough tough school scene in in New York and Glenn Ford is the teacher and Sidney Poitier was the uh, the tough kid who Kind of violent, wasn't it? Yes, there was a very famous knife scene. Right. Also with Anne Francis, there was also a a potential rape scene. It's it was shot in black and white. Um, Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is Cooley High somewhere on your list? No. Uh. Why? What would you? Those two movies always reminded me of each other. I can see that. So there you have it. That's my number four. If Robert, that's cool that you know of that film. Oh, that's a good movie. Yeah, we never talked about that. Okay. Well, my number four, right? My number four. Is a movie from 2004, The Girl Next Door. Yeah. Have you seen this movie, Ira? No. Oh my gosh, you're going to love it's this great. movie. It's great. It's really good. It's uh, it's about a high school boy who's, there's a beautiful girl who moves in next door and he finds out that she's a porn star and he befriends her and tries to ask her to go to prom with him and everything and it's he starts to fall into this porn world and like her porn producer shows up and he finds himself in way over his head with this girl, and uh, and he just wants to date this girl that's next door. It's Alicia Cuthbert. She's 
I'll send you home. Do you have the DVD? I do. You do? Yeah. Can we stop now so I can go home? Yeah. (laughs) You know what? You'll 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 find it well worth it. Yeah. It's good. Bye, everybody. (laughs) And it's also clever. It's it's a very well extremely well written. Yeah. That's that's what when I when I saw it, I thought it was gonna be weird and bizarre, but it's it was so hilarious. And also extremely relatable. Yeah. I was just like, this is great. I thought it was one of the best films uh, of the year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your number three, Mason? Girl Next Door. Girl Next Door. Uh, <laughs> awesome. <yeah. laughs> What's it about? I, I don't uh, remember do think, anymore. Do you think Ira would, like, I would like it? Yeah. I know no, that. Ira, you'd hate it. Yeah. yeah, I love the fact that you didn't say anything when Robert was, and you waited until it was your I, turn. I believe when he said, I said yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. All right, Ira, well, what's your number three? My number three. I wonder if you guys, if you gentlemen, have heard of this. My bodyguard, not the bodyguard. Yes, I've seen this. I love this film. I love this film. Uh, Tony Bill, he directed it in 1980. Martin Mull, Ruth Gordon is in it. It's about a Matt bully, Dillon's right? It's about a bully. Yeah. But then in the last third, there's a bully of the bully. It goes up right. another tier. Right. And it's it's beautifully photographed. And it, I just love that movie. Um, yeah. It's cool oh that you gosh, know that. You just reminded me. My bodyguard. What was the movie that Matt Dillon, what was Matt Dillon's first movie? Maybe Joey can figure it out. producer is on it. Uh, wasn't it? Um... It was a movie. I just I totally forgot it until you just said Matt Dillon. But he was in a, a great movie that I really should be putting on this list. That I bet I don't know if you guys have seen or not. Heather's? No, no, no. no, no that's no. Christian Slater. That's Christian Slater. Christians, I get them mixed up sometimes. I can understand. Was, that. Yeah. Matt Dillon's older. Was it the Brat Pack? No, it was. It, this was like 1970s. It was his very first movie, and he. It was about this whole town where these um, high school kids run delinquent, and they. They're just they're they're all terrors basically, and right. they finally uh, over the edge. That's what it was. Right. And they basically the the parent they're so bad that the parents have this meeting, this PTA meeting at the school, and the kids lock all the parents inside the school and basically like start torching the school and try to burn them all alive. And it's like it's these kids are fucking out of control. Wow. And it's a, it's a really really good movie. And Matt Damon was definitely the standout wow. role in that. Wow. I, 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 I should have put it on my list, but Matt Dillon, Matt Dillon, gotcha. not Matt Damon. Um, but I forgot about it until you said his name and I I probably would have put that on my list and I know I'm but is that really about high school or just youth and revolt it's definitely about high school okay Uh, it's about these high schoolers yeah Uh, which actually brings me to a point so I'm moving on to my was it number three you're on number three yes now at this point I would have put weird science but you just said something, right? Which is that is that about high school? And right. I really had to stop and think: Is this about high school? This is or what about I ran into. Lures? Yeah, this is what I ran into as well. And so I found myself at a real crossroads, and I couldn't put weird science down because there's only a couple scenes there, right? And this next movie, I think, is also kind of debatable on the fence. But there's so much that happens with the high schoolers that revolve around it being high school. Uh, I am going to include it. From 2013, Spectacular Now. Have you guys seen Spectacular Now? I never heard of it. Oh, it's so great. The... With Miles Teller, the guy from Whiplash. I saw the trailer, but I didn't see the film. And um, it's it's one of his first films. And then the, um, oh, what's her name? The girl from um, the, oh, she did the, all the, the, oh, the fuck? why can't I never think of things? I should write it all down, but I didn't. Anyway, Spectacular Now. She'll, Joey will look it up and let us know. But uh, Joey, our producer. Yeah, producer Joey. It's a great movie about Miles Teller. He plays an alcoholic, and he meets this girl who uh, he kind of can 
convinces her to start drinking and, and she's kind of a good girl uh, Shailene Woodley that's what I'm trying to think of and he kind of convinces her to start drinking and they have this drinking relationship but he's clearly far more advanced in terms of drinking and how he, how he deals with being an alcoholic at such a young age and she's trying to get her life on track and move on to college and for her it's just kind of partying but he's very very deep in his alcoholic bends it's a great movie to check out spectacular now okay Mason what's your number two my number two I don't know if you guys have heard of this one Heaven Help Us oh man it's a classic it's so good it's about um, it's about boys in a private school in Brooklyn in a and they are trying to figure life out and whatever and it's um it's famous and the school is it's 1950s brooklyn so it's very big on corporal punishment and they're just trying like dot spanking and stuff oh yeah caning the whole bit and then it follows this one kid and you know he's at home and his parents are like oh you're gonna be a priest you're gonna do this. You're gonna do that, and then you know he's he's falling in love with um, Mary Stuart Masterson down at the boardwalk, and but you know, and then they have the mixers, and it's it's an, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. I've, yeah. I've heard of it before, but I've never seen. Highly it. recommend it. Okay. It's 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 awesome. Ira, what's hmm. your number two? I'm enjoying this. You know, we have good. I like our lists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number two, Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Come on. I, th- How can you... I thought about it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you weren't it's, too sure. It's, huh? it's an honorable mention. The only people who like Mean Girls are adolescent girls. Go yeah, ahead, Ira. Like but Ira likes adolescent girls. What's 2004. Oh, you know, it was written by Tina, Tina Fey. Fey. Yeah. Tina Fey wrote yeah. the screenplay. And um, Lindsay Lohan, of course. Can I tell you? Class. I didn't like that movie that much. I was, un- it was okay. unimpressed. I was like, nah. Oh. oh. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Well, The Girl Next Door? Yeah. Well, I saw it, and I don't like you it either. You didn't see it, because you wouldn't feel that way. That would be on your list. I know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I'm anyway, going to get a text from two. you at 2 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is fucking awesome. Especially scene number 16. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my number two movie is uh, from 2005, a movie starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Brick. Brick was on my, on my list, except it... I felt that it was not about high school. It oh. was it was a private eye film set in a high school. That to me was the beauty of it. It, it wasn't. That is high... the beauty of it. And yeah. you know, props to him. The director is now directing the new Star Wars. But you know, it's not a high school film. I disagree. I think it was. But okay. Uh, but I, I think that it's definitely debatable. And I think that's where. That's why it's not on my list. Yeah, sure. Ira, have you seen Brick? I haven't. Oh my gosh! Oh, it's great. If you watch it, you got to watch it with the subtitles on uh, because the way that they speak, the vernacular the, that they the use, pastois. yeah, okay. it's it's really, it's almost hard to follow. You almost have to watch it several times to get what they're talking about. But with the the with the subtitles on, you can you understand what they're talking about. Uh, you know, when they say, "Oh, the bulls are coming," and they're they're talking about the cops, the cops yeah. and they have all these like kind of code names, very much like a very stylized 1940s film the war film and that's exactly what it is all the dialogue is is 1930s slang basically but it's all set in a modern high school and it's about a girl who dies and her boyfriend who's trying to find out who he he suspects there's foul play do you have the dvd i think i might i don't care about not interested just give me the girl next door yeah 
<laughs> All right, Mason. Right, rightly so. <laughs> no, um, Brick. No, seriously, I own Brick. Brick yeah. is Brick is a great film. It's great. And it, and it, I actually saw Brick when it first premiered in the Maryland Film Festival oh, back wow. in the day. So it was quite a jolt for me to realize that uh, he then went on. He then went on to do the Brothers Grimm, I believe. Right, and right. then I thought he was going to fade into obscurity, but then he popped up doing the, the new Star Wars. Some thought, obscurity, wow. huh? Yeah, I was like, I was so impressed. Anyway, uh, so my num- we're on number one now. Number one. My number one high school film, and I was so thrilled when I saw it in Spider-Man, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's you know, Day Off. You I, know, I was... Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, that. what else do you have to say? Yeah. The man was nice, a role nice model to me and all of my friends. The concept was unreal. Yeah. The execution was flawless, and it just spoke on so many levels. And I know what you'll say. It wasn't about high school. Yeah, but that's what I, he's going to say, but I think see, it is. I actually, I, it's, about, it's about everything. It's that an anti-high school it, movie. It's about every where, yeah. everything that you're dealing with in high school yeah. and everything you want to do to rebel against it. So yeah. to me, it's, yeah, that's it. Also, Matthew Broderick's so amazing. That whole, that whole ensemble, Cameron, ensemble, and uh, Sloan, oh Mia, oh. Sarah, oh yeah, legend. She had a big crush on Matthew Broderick at the time. Oh and, my god! I and he believe... was all into Jennifer Grey, the Jennifer Grey, oh, played man. his sister. And Jennifer yeah. Grey was in Patrick Swayze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, she, then she got a nose job and lost her fame. Yeah. Wow. It's wow! I can, wow! There was what, like a whole ch- that was a big deal. What an idiot! On set. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe that. What a man! Poor choice, Matthew. Yeah, Broderick. but look who he's married to now. Hey, I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker's got it going on. But he I'm aged not... goofy. So did he? He aged goofy. Okay. Kind of. He, I yeah. know what you mean. He's he's very schlubby. He's always he's, been a little. Goofy. He always was charming and cute, but now it's just schlubby. Hmm. I never never heard that word. Is that Yiddish for something? Yeah. Go remember ahead. I'm the resident Jew. My number my number one, Mean Girls Part Two. Just <laughs> kidding. I... <laughs> All right. I love this movie. 1999 election. I was election election. I love this film. And also um, with Matthew Alexander. Broderick. Yeah. Yes. Another Alexander Payne. Google him. See his movies. They're so intimate and character-driven. Like um, Sideways. Sideways, he, he directed. About Schmidt. Did you I ever see that movie? About Schmidt. It's Did one of my we, favorite movies. I think movie. maybe we talked about this years ago. Did you ever see About Schmidt? Yes. And Jack Nick. Oh, I'm seeing from your reaction you're not a fan of About... Or are you a little bit? Uh, I like About Schmidt. I'm not a fan of Election. I understand it's... You're not a fan I of agree. I understand the craft of it. The craft of it is very well, but yeah. I actually just don't like the story. I agree. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Election. It's good, oh, but it's not my favorite. I didn't like the last third about the bee sting. Oh, on so his face. now you don't no, like it? No, it's true. However, I love the film. I love the film Matthew Brown and Reese Witherspoon, of course. And uh, she's just bent on becoming student body president, and he's not going to let it happen. Uh, didn't work for you, huh? The fact that everyone in the film is despicable turned me off. The story is very well written, and, and the film is very well executed. The acting, great, all this stuff. But the characters themselves, I could not find any one of them that I liked because they were all extremely self-serving. I understand that that's probably the point of the film, but it wasn't for me. I just didn't care. Yeah. Well, how can you when everyone's despicable? You don't Well, you don't fuck care. you both. I think I, I can care about non-despicable characters. I care about Travis Bickle. I mean, he's a pretty despicable character. I just didn't care about these guys. It just... It, to me, it felt forced. Uh, okay. 
all right, I'll flip it. I'll make that number five. Can I go back to Blackboard Jungle, my bodyguard, <laughs> and Fast Times at Ridgemont High? So I thought we were going instead of five, four, three, two, one. We were going inverse. Hey, we're, there you go. Uh, our producer threw a couple. You can take one of these. She just threw Easy A. Did you see Easy A? I, I know of it, but I've never seen it. It's good. It's really good. And so is Toy Soldiers with Sean Austin. Right, Will Toy Wheaton. Soldiers. Another really good one. Yeah. But the, neither one of those are my number one. My number one is a nonfiction. It's a documentary. And it is... Um, is it waiting, it, waiting for Superman? No, although that's not bad. Yeah. Although I don't know if that's necessarily about high school, but eh, no. this movie had me in tears and was it's literally one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, it's absolutely incredible. If you haven't seen it, definitely go out and see it. It's from 2011, Undefeated. Have you seen this? It's about a high school football coach in Memphis who takes these football players who are all just on the verge of, of not graduating and how he, how he gets them to motivated to, um, to go get back in and start playing football and actually get their lives together. And this coach that basically just goes so far above and beyond his role as a teacher in order to educate these guys. And along the way, he's a philosopher. That's what his major was in college. And so he has these really interesting ideas of leadership and what it takes to be a leader please please i'm begging you if wow. you're listening to this go see undefeated just i think it's on netflix that it used to be streaming if it's not uh get the disc or something just buy it on itunes it's a fantastic movie it's great it's one wow. of the best movies i've ever seen wow. and um it i i was in tears it's great <sighs> are we doing nice. our honorable mentions now oh, yeah scoops what are the scoops of ice cream do you guys got go ahead Mason, uh, give me give me one second. All right, I had just let me just share. I'll just rattle them off. Dead Poet Society. I also I know you're not particularly a fan of musicals, but I did include Grease. Mm. I, I I like Grease a lot, and also Stand and Deliver. Yeah, Stand and Deliver. Uh, was I was good. considering putting that in my top five, but I didn't. There's two movies that I wanted to put in, um, and one that was really close. Uh, one was a movie from 2013 called The Dirties. Have you seen this movie? And there's another one that reminded me a lot of called Elephant. Elephant was a Gus Van Sant movie from mid-2000s, but yeah. both of those are based off of the Columbine uh, murders. But the, the Dirty starts out as kind of a comedy, and it's about these kids that basically are planning to shoot up their school, and it starts out as kind of a joke, and as the movie progresses, they get more and more serious about it, and by the end, they start shooting up everybody. And it's, it's really interesting how that starts to, to take place. Elephant is almost a... It's a... Gus Van Sant started doing a lot of these movies that kind of bordered on a biopic, but also not quite the exact character. He did one called Last Days that was a, very similar to Kurt Cobain's Last Few Days Before He Killed Himself. And you know where the movie's going the entire time, but it's not technically Kurt Cobain. So he did Elephant was one of those series that Gus Van Sant did that was very similar to that. What about you, Mason? What yeah, was your... I, I got mine now. Um, Stand and Deliver, just like you said. Also... Uh, a dead poet society just like mm. you said also flirting i don't know if you guys know about that mm -mm. that's a really good one it's one of nicole kitman and thandy newton's like way early roles it's about mm. high school boarding school in in australia in the in the young days back, mm. back in the day and then also lean on me with morgan freeman yeah that's a good one oh that's a good one so those are my yeah. honorable mentions yeah nice and i don't know if Oh, and Higher Ground with Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm sorry, not uh, uh, Dangerous Minds with Michelle Dangerous Pfeiffer. Minds. Right. Dangerous Minds. Higher yeah. Ground was college. Higher college, yeah. yeah. So. 
I just remembered Jennifer Connelly. Hey, guess what? We recorded a podcast. Hey. Oh, wait, guys. I didn't hit record. Okay. Uh, we're going to try it again. Here we go. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Howdy, everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that pretty much takes care of it for this week. Uh, Mason. Thanks so much Mason. for coming in. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me back again, guys. Three, if someone wants to find three. you, where would they go? What kind of podcasts could they search out that might feature you? Yeah, no. If you want to check me and any of my stuff out, check out the Meltdown Comics Network over on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, anywhere you want to go. But you can also check me out on Instagram. I'm the Keegum, T-H-E-K-I-G-A-M. And then also... I have my own personal podcast, which is Anime Attic, where we go into the attic and blow the dust off of old and sometimes forgotten anime and talk about it, dissect it similar to this, but we talk about anime. So yeah, if you enjoyed my ramblings and want to hear more more of me or anything, uh, come check it out. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. And if you like what we're doing here at Money Shot Podcast, tell a friend. Let somebody know about our show. If you'd like to let us know about your top five, if we're missing any high school movies that you love. You can send us an email to robert at moneyshotpodcast.net or and slash or ira at moneyshotpodcast.net. Or you can send us a message over at Twitter at moneyshotpod. You can send us a message at moneyshotpodcast at Instagram. So that that's those are a couple ways they can get in touch with yeah, us. We're all over the place. Aren't we, we are. Now? We're truly all over the place. Uh, you can find us on, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on, on Google Play. Uh, tell a friend. And of course, go to our website. Yeah. And pro tip, leave a uh, review on iTunes because the more reviews that you get, the easier it is for other people to find the podcast. Right, absolutely. Write a review. Let somebody know about the podcast. Share the good word. Good times. All right, so uh, I want to thank Mason Booker for coming in. Thanks again for having me, guys. I want to thank producer Joanna Lewis for doing such a good job. job. Those facts were on point. Yeah. Yeah. And for feeding us. And until next time. Until next time. Keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. French. He seemed French. Mm-hmm. Even though I think he, oh, well, yeah. he made a joke Did about... Did he surrender? 